Hey everybody, welcome back to Wicked Garden Podcast. Tonight on the show, we're going to bring you a mystery from Michigan, pretty creepy stuff. And we're also going to do a review of some horror movies that you can watch during the holiday. Happy Halloween to everybody, and I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, so tonight we're going to talk about Isle Royale. As everybody might or might not know, I moved to Michigan. There's some interesting things up here. Interesting stories, tales, legends, uh, and not all of them Dogman. Although we are going to talk about Dogman a little bit. And one of the more interesting mysteries I just came across about a week ago was the Isle Royale Copper Mystery. Isle Royale is a part of Michigan, but it's actually closer to Canada. It's in Lake Superior, and it's actually really close to Minnesota. It's right off the coast of Minnesota and right off of Thunder Bay up in Canada. Uh, It's 45 miles long and about nine miles wide at its widest point. And if you look at it on a map, it's a ways away. Uh, So there's a national park there. But the only way to visit that national park is to take like a puddle jumper, like a pontoon plane. So like one of those de Havilland beavers, or you have to take a ferry to the island. It's the least visited national park in the national park system. There are only 25,000 people that go there every year. There is a lodge there that you can stay in, and then there's also a campground. The campground's called the Windigo Campsites, so they're like little lean-tos you can go to, and it's just basically like a screen room lean-to that you can camp out in. Yeah, it really is. It is an interesting name. Also on this island, there are uh, a lot of moose. It's not uncommon to take a hike and see a couple, three moose when you take a hike. And so to keep that population in check so they wouldn't all starve to death, they introduced wolves uh, onto the island too as well. So there are wolves on the island as well. So far, getting along well with humans. There's been no negative interaction. Um, Far more negative interaction with the moose, I would think. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because people just think they can walk right up to them and don't realize how freaking strong they are. So... Uh, what else is interesting about this island? Well, on this island, there's a bunch of copper mines. And these are very, you know, they're not like boxed out with timbers or anything like it. They're very just, they're just holes in the ground. Basically just people digging holes into the ground to to fish this copper out. And there's a tremendous amount of copper deposit on that island. So let's put some numbers on this. And I was wrong the first time around about my numbers, G. So we're going to correct them on this recording. <laughs> All right. And uh, <laughs> so, again, just disclosure for the audience. Well, this is our second attempt at recording this. Uh, <laughs> it went off the rails five minutes in here a while ago. <laughs> but uh, I think we're back on track now. But uh, again, full disclosure, I don't know anything about this island or the case. I, I probably heard yeah. about it, but um, I'm not tracking anything. So th- this is all new to me, too. I'm hearing about this. Yeah. So the spelling of it is I-S-L-E-R-O-Y-A-L-E, if anybody wants to follow along at home. So that's the, the park. That's the part of Michigan we're talking about. That's the island. So it's the largest island in Lake Superior, too, by the way. Um. So uh, these cr- these very crude copper mines, they're basically just holes in the ground. And, and they got the copper out by just using stones. So they would just hit hit the ground with stones and, and dig out with whatever they could dig out. There were a lot of freshwater clam shells that were used to dig out. And um, there's one mine on the island that is three-quarter of a mile long. It is 400 feet wide, and it varies in depth from 10 feet to 30 feet as it goes along. That's just one mine on the island. But they estimate that it would take 10,000 men 1,000 years to take the copper 
out of this island that's been taken. There are 500,000 to 1.5 billion tons of copper that were extracted from this island. Wow. And to put that in perspective, okay, we now in modern times with all these new tech gadgets and all that other stuff, we we use about 575,000 tons of copper a year, okay? So this would have supplied the modern world for three years, wow. let alone where did it all go back then 6,000 years ago when this was going exactly. on. Exactly. So another, another part of it was it was mined from anywhere from 4,500 years ago to 6,000 years ago. And there were mines on the island. There were commercial mines on there 200 years ago. But the other interesting part about this, these mines is there is no evidence of anybody living on the island. The island has never been inhabited. And there are no um, old villages that have been excavated or found on the island. There's no old tools um, that have been found on the island. There are no mass grave sites from the miners themselves. And scientists explain part of that away by saying that the only reason uh, that's an issue is because they were most likely only mining the island in the summertime because it would be very hard to, you know, mine that island in the winter. Yeah, so that's I'm, what they're thinking. At the, I'm looking online right now, and it, it looks like they actually close this national park as well. Yeah, you have to. You have to. Yeah, I mean, it, the snow from Superior is unbelievable. So the the thought process is that Native Americans did. So that's the, the official story, that a Native American tribe up here uh, – was the ones that extracted all this copper, okay, without permanently living on the island and without, you know, leaving any trace behind or any burials or, or grave sites or anything along those lines. So that's the official story. Yeah, so, so just, uh, <laughs> that's, that doesn't smell right to me. So obviously there's a tremendous amount of copper that is missing. <laughs> yeah, that's from, what I was just thinking. If I mean, copper is definitely in the archaeological record. It's pretty sparse. It's not that heavy in the archaeological record. It's definitely in there, but right. not to that extent, right. to my knowledge. Uh, yeah, and what and Native Americans mostly use this for like decorative pieces around their neck, and they also, you know, made uh, spear tips out of it, you know, arrow tips out of it, and stuff like that. So you can account for a little bit of it, you know, but you can't account for obviously all of it. Yeah, that's a lot of copper. Um, yeah. I wonder, like, what was uh, now, when we were first recording, you said something about, like, the, the process of boiling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let me get to that, too. Thanks. Thank you for reminding me. So the other thing that is a, a mystery to everyone is how they extracted the copper from the rock, because there's evidence that they used water, and they would, you know, boil water, and they would put the rock in the boiling water to separate the copper out of just the regular rock. So there's this whole process that somehow they knew how to do, you know, thousands of years ago. We're talking B.C. here. You know, we're talking like, you know, 2000 B.C. and, and all that other good stuff. They knew how to do this and extract copper. So there, there really is no good way of knowing how they knew how to do that. It's, it's, the whole thing is a mystery. Yeah, that is um, just the smelting process with copper alone. I mean, it can be worked raw because it's soft. It's a soft enough metal. But right. if you if you are working with you know heating it, uh, the byproducts of that are like extremely harmful as well. Right. So I mean, yeah. if you're 
you're on an island, you know, boiling, you're, you know, contaminate the island. <laughs> yeah. Well, that they found evidence of that off the coast of the island, too. Oh, they, really? They, from runoff. Yeah, they they found, you know, runoff in the island that that's hurt the fisheries and that kind of stuff. So, you know, they've done those studies and they've found those chemicals of runoff. So there definitely was separation done on the island. So it wasn't like this stuff was, you know, taken off and then extracted and, and separated somewhere else. They know from the pollution around the island that it was done. There. Pretty crazy stuff, man. Yeah, uh, it is. It's not exactly adding up for me. Um. <laughs> so just just a couple more things, too. So um, just to give you an idea of how much copper is up in this area and, you know, like what was taken off that, that island at one time or another, there was a large chunk of copper that was taken off and owned by an Indian tribe, uh, I believe in Wisconsin. Um, because once again, this is part of Michigan technically, but it's, it's actually closer to Wisconsin and Minnesota than it is to Michigan and Canada. So, you know, you've got to take like a De Havilland beaver out there or, or a ferry to get to the island to enjoy the, the national park. But there was one, um, huge rock that was taken off a huge boulder full of copper that weighs 3,700 pounds. It's almost 3,700 pounds of pure, of pure copper. And it was taken um, by the government and given to the Smithsonian. And that tribe has been trying to get that 3,700 pounds of copper back ever since then. Wow. <laughs> so it's in the Smithsonian. Um, I forget which part of the Smithsonian, but you can actually view it there. And they they took a couple pictures with that too. They're available online too as well. Look for 3,700 pound boulder of copper. Um, if you Google and you'll see the pictures. There's like, you know, it's like 12 feet thick, you know, 14 feet high. It's, it's crazy dimensions to this thing. It's unreal. So that's how much copper was up there. Well, I mean, that's strange in itself because how do you get, you know, a monolith basically at that point? That's how big it is from that island, you know. Exactly. Over to Wisconsin. Exactly. Which, you know, you wait winter to freeze over the lake and slide it across. 3,700 taking... like, <laughs> that's, <Yeah. laughs> that's a lot. You're man. taking your life in your own hands, yeah. right? And that's some of the other things. that were, there, There's there's other big boulders, too, in Wisconsin that, that are smaller than the 3,700-pounder that also still exist there, and they've got cribbing underneath. So there's, like, sleds built underneath these huge boulders, but, you know, you've got to get it to the point where it's on the sled. So it's an engineering endeavor, to say the least, to get these things transport it these huge ingots wow yeah well if you think about so there's all this ancient knowledge if you think about it it's a lot of ancient knowledge right yeah for a what what people think is just a primitive native society i'm not underestimating them in any way staying pc here man but that's a lot (laughs) that's a lot of advanced technique right so the question is where did it go in the world right so um, as we know, the Bronze Age, right? There was a lot of bronze uh, from the Bronze Age. That's why it's called the Bronze Age. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, there was a lot of copper used in Europe uh, for the Bronze Age. So there are a lot of people who speculate that uh, that copper is, has been shipped to Europe and some other places. So we can get into the theories if you don't have any other questions about that part of it. I'm I'm building my own cockamamie theory in my head right now. Um, so am I. <laughs> but yeah, let's let's get into the theories. I I want to hear what you know. I I'm I I don't know how I haven't heard about this. To be honest, wild. 
right? So, like I said, the party line uh, is that it's Native Americans uh, who built a copper mining business, basically, and partnered with some other Native tribes or some other ancient civilization um, to transport this copper out and make like this huge copper trade, right? That's 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 the going theory. So now if we discuss that theory, there have been people that have said that the people that they probably traded with were the Vikings. So there's a Viking theory with all this because the Vikings did use a lot of bronze. They did use a lot of copper in fashioning of their weapons and stuff like that. There was a lot of copper that was taken back to their homeland. Um, if you look at the, I think it's called the Vinland sagas, um, Leif Erikson talks a lot about trading in copper and talks a lot about coming over and dealing with what he calls the Skraelish, okay, who are much smaller than them. That's what he says is the Skraelish. We, you know, we did trading, we traded with the Skraelish and then we went to war with them and stuff like that. Actually, um, he talks about the death of his son uh, in the, the Vinland sagas. And it's, he talks a little bit about the Skraelish during that, but there's an interesting thing that he talks about in there too. And we'll get into that some other time. That's a little bit cryptid ish when he talks about the actual death of his son. Yeah. Well, there's lots of strangeness around Leif Erikson. It's pretty fascinating. Yes. And basically he's talking about landing in Newfoundland, Newfoundland and, you know, coming across and doing a lot of trading and a lot of warring with the Iroquois who were basically the, the main tribe up there that he's talking about. If you look in, Iroquois legend, they talk about something else too. We'll get into here in a few minutes. So that's the first possibility. Could it have been the Vikings that were moving all this stuff over to Europe? Uh, there are some crazier uh, theories. Another theory would be that actually who was involved with this was the Phoenicians. There's a lot of talk about the Phoenicians being involved because the Phoenicians were so good at shipping and basically them being like the FedEx for for the Native Americans in those areas that could take this copper and deliver it for them. Yeah, I don't. So now we're talking about this stuff getting back to ancient Egypt. Yeah, I don't buy it. Right. Uh, I'll tell you right yeah. now, just Phoenicians are fascinating in general. I mean, they're the real seafaring people. Um, right. Their ships, uh, which are very well documented in material culture and the archaeological record, those that would not, their ships, while very uh, seaworthy in I believe they could travel you know, here. I do 100% believe that I don't think they could ship that much copper around as Phoenicians in their ships. Uh, I don't think it would. So that was another theory that was brought uh, about, but both those theories have this copper moving towards Europe. Okay. And then they have it moving towards the bronze age. As a matter of fact, there's evidence on the Island that around the time of the bronze age mining or around the end of the bronze age, mining stopped on the Island. That's either a coincidence or there's something there. Depends on how you look at it. Let's get to the more wild theories. In the Iroquois culture, and they're not necessarily Iroquois that are up in that area, but Iroquois culture talks about the Stonish Giants. So what are the Stonish Giants? Well, the Iroquois talk about them, and also the Cherokees talk a lot about the Stonish Giants too. And if you look on YouTube right now, you'll see a lot of representation of them as big, okay? That's that's how they're kind of rep represented. So if you if you just do a general search on YouTube for Stonish Giants, most of the videos that are come up are going to, are going to be talking about some lethal 
type of Bigfoot that was a man-eater. So the Iroquois talk about the Stonish Giants who would raid their camps and they would make off with their women and children. And then also their men too. They, they didn't really have a preference for anybody. They would just make off with as many people as they could and they would eat them. Uh, they talked about their appearance. They said that they were about 10 to 12 foot tall and that they had uh, these stone suits on. What they said was they had stone suits and that they had stone swords or weapons that they used uh, and that they would come in and that their arrows, the Iroquois arrows were impervious. Their suits were impervious to the Iroquois arrows. So the Iroquois would shoot at them. They wouldn't be able to kill them because they had these armored, what they described as stone suits on, you know, that they would basically not be able to to hurt them and that they would steal their women, children, and males, and they would take them. They would twist their heads off and cook them over an open fire and eat them. Wild. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the Stonish Giants. It's actually more, it's an Iroquois culture, but it's in a lot of different Native American cultures who talk about these giants. And like I said before, people kind of translate it over to Bigfoot. I'm thinking, to me, when I hear these descriptions and when you look at the pictures of them online there's a famous drawing that was done by an author who spent some time with the Uruguay uh in the 30s and he did a drawing basically guided by the Uruguay who could remember talking about these these stonish giants and remember what they look like and if you look at them the drawing itself they're about twice the size of the Uruguay Iroquois are running away from them. They're on their horses, but they're on their horses and they can't even get away from them. That's how fast they are. Uh, They've got these large, weird-looking swords, and they have like a a domed head, and the back of their head is stone. And to me, it almost looks like a helmet. So this whole thing looks like a helmet. There's a famous story in Iroquois culture, just to represent these Stonish giants a little bit more, uh, that's called the Stonish Woman. And this story has been handed down, you know, through spoken word generation to generation. And it talks about um, there was a hunter who went out to hunt some animals. And what happens is in that culture, the wife follows along uh, a few miles behind. And, you know, when the hunter finds something and kills something, what he does is he calls the wife forward. The wife comes, gets it, takes it back to their wigwam that they make when they go out on these hunting trips. They make these little wigwams, you know, like temporary shelters. And then her job is to take it and prepare it to be eaten. So uh, they were out on a hunt, and the hunter killed something, and he called for his wife to come forward. She came forward and took, you know, whatever it was, a deer or whatever, and she took it back to camp to prepare it. Um, And there's a group of hunters, right? So there's a bunch of them. When she got back to camp, she was one of the first women back with, you know, like a kill. And she came back and there was a stonish woman, she describes, sitting there. And the stonish woman was nursing the chief's baby. And she came upon her and she was like, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. And the stonish woman said, look, I'm, I'm not here to harm you. I'm not here to hurt you or anything along those lines. Well, the reason I'm here is I am hiding from my husband. He's extremely mad at me. He wants to kill me. You know, can I hang out with you guys for a couple of days and, you know, till maybe it blows over or, you know, give me some time to figure out what I want to do. So she reluctantly agrees. I mean, what is she going to do, right? This woman is twice her size. Uh, so she tells her, okay. So the Stonish woman says, 
okay, what, you know, why are you back so early? And she says, well, my husband got a kill. And she says, oh, that's great. She says, um, well, I'll tell you what, I will cook and prepare the meal. You sit here and watch the kids because I can eat with you guys and I can eat your food, but your food has to be extremely well done for me to be able to eat it. Because if it's not, and if I taste blood, I will turn into a cannibal and I will wind up killing you, your husband, and your whole tribe. But I can eat the dead meat, right? This is weird, right? But I can eat the dead meat if I cook it and I prepare it. So the woman, of course, agrees. So she cooks the meat. Um, slowly but surely, all the other Native Americans come trickling back into camp. And they all agree that they will help this woman. And what the woman says is, listen, he's eventually going to come here to get me because he's going to come looking for me. When he comes, I need you guys to do exactly what I tell you to do, and we will be able to kill him. And then I can leave you, go back to my people, and be on my merry way. So they all agree. So they wait back at the camp, and within three days, the stonish giant comes, and he's looking for his wife. So the wife gets in a wrestling match with him. She gets him down on the ground, and she instructs the other, she instructs the Indian to attack his armpits and his area where his elbows are, and then also the back of his neck. So to me, that sounds like it's wearing a suit. Armor gaps. Right? Think like, like if you can visualize this, think maybe like a predator, you know, like that type of suit where at the joints, it's a little bit more weak. And remember they had to take their helmets off and, you know, you, you could shoot them straight in the face and kill them. So it's, it's bizarre. Right. And what happens is they, they wind up attacking this stonish giant and they, you know, they attack it where she tells it to, they kill it. And then she leaves, thanks them and goes on her merry way. And this is one of the stories that's, that's told. Um, but if you're thinking about this volume of mining and you're thinking about how how much easier it would be for a superior-sized human being, or superior-sized being, I should say, it would be a lot easier for these stonish giants to do this mining than it would be for anybody else. Exactly. And getting back to another one of, your, one of the points that definitely stops this Michigan copper from being part of the Bronze Age, our old friend Graham Hancock, who... To me, I, I really enjoy reading Graham Hancock's books. I do. But when I read them, I always know that what I'm reading is probably a mix of wishful thinking, history, you know, and he's not a scientist. The man's not an archaeologist, right, at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, but it's really enter- entertaining reading. Lots of academic archaeologists, I guarantee they're not supposed to be down with Graham. But I feel like, <laughs> right. I, me personally, um, and I'm sure there are so many out there that, you know, while they say that or while they may disagree publicly, they have, you know, they've already pre-ordered this next because it gets them thinking outside. <laughs> I love Graham. I love Graham. I've got three books. Yeah. I've got three of his books. I read them and I, I love reading them. But there's always a part of me that's reserved and, and you know, knows that probably what he's talking about is more wishful thinking than it is actual fact. Well, and the thing here is that no matter what, whether this copper in Europe's bronze. Well, here's the, there's no material culture. There's no, nothing left behind. And that's extremely odd. Right. Well, here's the reason I was bringing that up. He's one of the main proponents for it going over to Europe and, and actually getting even into the middle East is Graham Hancock. And what he points to is he points to a shipwreck off the coast of Turkey. And this shipwreck is known as the Ulu Burul. 
shipwreck. <laughs> so I'll link to that too in the show notes, and I will remember because it's it's interesting. There's this um, this shipwreck that's over there. It's over 1,300 years old. Um, it is a Phoenician ship, and it has a bunch of copper ingots on it. But what has happened since he came out with this theory that, you know, there's Michigan copper moving over into that area was that they did a uh, study at the isotope level on the copper that came off of that ship. Well, that's what I was going to say too. There's ways that copper stereographically analyzed for signatures. And that's and what they did. It, you know, actual where it came from. Right. And this, the copper that they found off the coast of Turkey and that he's pointing to as Michigan copper is not Michigan copper. They've done that study and it's not. So wherever this Michigan copper went, it still hasn't been found. Well, and that's, that's uh, if I had unlimited resources and I was back in academia and I had to study, what I'd be doing, what I would be doing would be going through all the material culture and examples of copper and or bronze from 6,000 years ago to about 2,000 years ago. And I would be stereo analyzing everything and looking for signals. And that's something that could be done. Um, if they source, but it's expensive. It is right? expensive and it's time consuming for sure. Right. But it could be done if people if people strongly believe that they found any of the copper from this island. Um, they could test it. So if it still hasn't been found, then that's also a sort of a red flag. <laughs> yeah, because you know, at some point or another, they've tested other big finds. Yes, yeah, and there's you know, over a while, you start creating a database of everything. So. You know, maybe they weren't, maybe they didn't uh, analyze the copper in order to figure out if it came from this island or not, but it's been analyzed. And now there's that data is out there somewhere and it could be looked at pretty much because people are going to be analyzing copper regardless. Um, They would know if it came from Michigan or not, if it came from this island. Right. Because it has an isotopic signature. Yes. And if nobody's found that anywhere yet, then that's a problem, a big problem, especially with that much copper. Exactly. So to recap, Okay, we've got 500,000 tons to 1.5 billion tons of copper that no one can find. Okay, we've got a period of time when there's, it's, it's, you know, around the Bronze Age, it's a very, there are no, you know, there's no cartography, there's no real good recording of history. Okay, it's a lot of word of mouth stuff. Um, It would be a very easy time for someone to take advantage of the fact that there wouldn't be a lot of written record and that kind of stuff, right? Because there's no, there's no photography, (laughs) there's no audio recording, there's no video recording. Basically, the way history is handed down at that point is word of mouth, right? It's a very convenient time for some other worldly society to come in and take advantage of a very crude culture. So we've got this huge amount of copper. It can't be found on this planet, as far as anyone knows. We've got this other advanced way it's being separated from the rock, which suddenly, you know, people figure out how to do. We've got all that adding up, right? And for me, I mean, I hate to agree with you on this. (laughs) But what made me bring this subject up when I heard it the other day was... I, it's to me, I don't think anybody else is talking about it the way we're about to talk about it. It, it seems to me like this copper went off world. Yeah, I'm going to slip into my own grand Hancock here. <laughs> Just from what I'm seeing right now. I mean, I, 
I do have a scientific background in archaeology, and my as you well know, I also am crazy about the. But just uh, <laughs> you know, again, have never heard of this before, and I'm looking at it right now. Um, it's easy to let's make some uh, theories here. Right. All right. right. First, let's talk about just copper in general. I mean, of course, it's been used for many things. It's been used for weapon ceremonial objects. It's, you can do a lot. Making you bronze. Can do lots of right. things with copper. Um, but what do we use it for right now? It can conductivity. Yeah, exactly. Um, you literally make super superconductors are made from layers of copper. Uh, and we use superconductors for everything, <laughs> everything that requires lots of energy. Um, right. Specifically, aerospace. Uh, and you you have that much copper that goes missing <laughs> from an island where there's no trace of any mining activity or human activity for that matter six thousand years ago. Right. Uh, you know maybe people do wander onto the island and see the that huge mine and think okay well there's resources here and that's how you get those tiny little hole mines all over. But what about that big mine? Exactly. You know? Exactly. What about right? And and how about this? I mean this is an island that. Most natives went out to 10,000 years ago, 12,000 years ago, to catch fish. So you have to know the copper's there, right? So maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But I would think that a primitive culture like that would see it and go, oh, that's a really cool rock. Yeah. Well, but I mean, that's... not knowing anything that there might be more there, they're not going to know there's more there. They're not, they're not going to think right away, well, you know, this is a cool-looking rock, right? It, it's, it's pretty. I'll make a necklace for my wife out of it. Or, you know, it probably took them several thousand years to figure out they can make an arrow point with it. But they've also got to know to look for more, right? So maybe there's some kind of an advanced um, system that identified that the copper was there in the first place. Well, I mean, if, if you just go through Native American material culture, 10,000 years ago, you're not seeing copper like that. I mean, really, it's no. pretty recent in the history that you start seeing it here in the Americas. Um, obviously, it was yeah. in use further along in the Europe, but... Yeah, a couple, couple thousand years ago here. Yeah, for here, up to about, you know, at that time, you're definitely... All the all the tools you're seeing are stone. It's all stones. Um, so they could have come across the copper while looking for flint deposits or chert, however you want to call it. But uh, it's you're not going to have the application to even use copper. So it's exactly. let alone mine that much. In other energy. words, you're, you don't have the product specific to needing to go out and find exactly. copper. Exactly. The resources, food. You found food, copper. You know, yeah. <laughs> the resources, food, exactly. the resources, not copper at that point. No. Right. It's, it was a nice find. We can make arrow point. Oh, look, 2000 years later. Hey, you ever think about making an arrow point out of this and get rid of these rocks? You know? Yeah. It's, it's convenient, but I, I was just amazed that, all the people that were talking about this never talked about, you know, the fact that maybe this could be an alien type situation. Well, I mean, just think about over the years, how many, of course, there have been, you know, UFO reports all over the, but think about how many are synonymous just with Lake Superior in general. Yeah, a lot. Quite a bit. I yep. mean, and then you have, you know. All the underwater stuff now, too. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're hearing more and more about that. These things coming out of the water. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. i really glad you chose this topic, man. I'm going to go down and a then rabbit hole talk about it. Yeah, I mean, this Stonish Giants thing, I had had that in my back pocket for a while because, I've, it, honest to God, this, this illustration that this guy did um, back in 1932 is really disturbing. I mean, it's just, it's 
it's just not something you would look at and get a warm and fuzzy feeling. The guy's name was David Cusick. He was an artist. 1828. Well, um, I haven't seen it. David um, Cusick's, yeah, it's spelled Cusick is C-U-S-I-C-K apostrophe S. Uh, David Cusick's <laughs> Sketches of Ancient History of the Six Nations. And these are sketches of the Stonish Giants. And it's, of course, cartoonish, right? But he's, if you think about this, he's doing it, you know, back in the 1800s. And he's talking to someone. And it's almost like a court courtroom artist type rendition of what these things look like. I totally and they're creepy as hell. And I think the, the thing that's creepiest about it is a weapon. Yeah, that's definitely like, creepy. What is up? <laughs> what is up with those those swords, man? Right? Like they are just bizarre because they're not going to cut anything, right? Because they're, they've got rock around them. And part of the other thing with these Stonish Giants, um, you know, the Bigfoot community just took it and ran with it. Oh, they're Bigfoot. They're gigantic Bigfoot. Uh, but, you know, you've got these weird rocks and stuff like that. And they said that one of the things that they would do, <laughs> harkening back to the first Predator movie, one of the things that they would do is they would rub themselves in wet sand um, to camouflage themselves and and be a little bit more impervious to the arrows because they had this layer of mud and sand on. So you're talking about these 12-foot giants who had this rocky armor. They just call it stone, right? If you think about the way space-age armor would look to a Native American from, you know, thousands of years ago, they would probably describe it as stone. Or stone Because stone was also metal. They describe metal as stone. They're not saying it's stone armor. They're saying it's stone-ish, you know? Right. They don't have a right. better word for it. So they're their best descriptor. And that those things that are on their heads look like helmets to me. Because their faces are very clear. I mean, it's creepy as hell. Yeah, I mean, they look very, I guess, man-like other than but all you can have the face. But yeah, even in the, even yeah, in so, the photos, you have, you know, like, what, 20 arrows at them? And they're unfazed. And if you notice, the Iroquois look you know what's weird shook. about it? <laughs> yeah. And you know what's weird about the, the arrows, too? None of them are getting by the sword. Do you notice? Yeah. There's no arrow getting by that sword, and the sword is out in front blocking the arrows. Wild. I, I just so is the sword of, some kind of force field? It could be. Right? I mean, maybe that's what they were trying to get across, and he captured it, and it, it's just bizarre, right? Like, you think there would be a sword, or maybe like an arrow bouncing off, you know? And then the other two things that's weird about it, too, Garrett, if you look at it, what's up with the plants that are underneath the two guys running, and there's no plants underneath the Iroquois? I... Yeah, I did notice that right away. It stuck out. So it seemed right. like the guy that was drawn it was definitely trying to convey something. Right. I'm not sure exactly. Makes me want to read this book now. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at his other yeah, illustrations here. He's got, he does have the Wendigo. Pretty gnarly Wendigo. I don't know if you crossed that. No, no, I didn't. No, I know this book's out of print. This is going to be one of those ones I'm going to spend $300 on a book oh, I, for. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just to... Just to peek a little bit creep on a little bit of it but yeah amazing stuff man i just you know from the description of the stonish woman how to kill my husband you know here's how you do it you get him on the back of the neck you know you, you got to get him in the elbows and in the armpits and you know where all the joints would be it's just it's bizarre yeah uh, that that is pretty wild man what a so my running theory is that these are and i i know well you do your running theory first because I might wind up disagreeing with yours. I, 
what do you think's going on here? Going to uh, be doing a lot more research on this, uh, probably immediately following this episode. <laughs> but as okay. it, where so, it stands right now, from everything I've heard in the past hour, um, it definitely sounds like it was a a mining operation, an off-world mine. Right. I mean, that's that's where my if head's you can't at. Can't find this copper anywhere in the world, and where? <laughs> what what other option? Especially no evidence. That's really bizarre. Right. You don't see that anywhere else. Right. And then, you know, you got the Cherokee talking about these Stonish Giants. You've got, yeah. I'll be honest. I've never heard of the yeah. Stonish Giants. That's, that's, uh, I've never come across that before. Yeah. Yeah. The Bigfoot community glommed right on it. Basically, the Bigfoot community says that they are Bigfoot. Um, I don't know where they get that they're Stonish looking, uh, right? Bigfoot has fur on it. And that they're some superior, um, Bigfoot that kills other Bigfoot and humans. That's wild. Where do you so, stand on the, uh, the Wendigo, lore or possible cryptid? I, you know, I've never really looked into the Wendigo that much. I saw that cool movie about the Wendigo, uh, that horror movie about a year and a half ago. I actually bought it. I forget what it's called, but uh, the father's like a meth head and the little kid is abused. And I forget what the name of the movie was. And it, it kind of piqued my interest. The Wendigo is some interesting legend, man. It's some interesting lore. It's almost like a cryptid, but then it's demonic. It's a possession type thing, yeah. too. It's, it's, it's really deep, right? It's, it's, you know, yeah, I think where I come down, right. Is I love stuff like this where sort of kind of, there's some nuts and bolts to it. I think the Wendigo, I haven't looked into it. I will, I, you know, I do want to get into it and I, I think we maybe should do a show on it. But for me, the reason I'm not interested at on it as at a surface level is because of that fact. That when they talk about it, it's like, well, you know, it's a starving person that just turns into, I think that's it, right? Isn't it somebody that's starving and then eats somebody else and then they become a Wendigo? Yeah. So it's, they turn it's cannibal. Much, uh, yeah. It's a little woo for me. I like this real world stuff a little bit more. <laughs> but I do I do like it. I, I do want to, you know, do some more research on it and eventually do a show on it. Sure. But this wouldn't, that wouldn't be a subject that I would bring up. Right, right off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, it's just a, it's a little bit too you know, woo for I'm me. Just thinking about this story. I mean, you got the campground uh-huh. on the island called you know Wendigo Campground. Yeah, there's probably it's yeah. probably based on some sort of lore right there. And when right, you know, I believe a lot of this lore, there's some truth behind everything. Oh sure, and, uh, sure. You know, who knows? Maybe they just didn't. Oh, have the a Native better, American. It, you know, maybe some you know, ancient cultures didn't have a better word for you know, the Stonish Giants. Right. Than, you know, obviously something that's scary. They'll just say it's a Wendigo. You know. Like what our what our show does, and we've talked about this a lot of times, is we try to take legend and lore and woo stuff and paranormal stuff and come up with a scientific explanation. Maybe a misinterpretation of what science is, maybe a misinterpretation of uh, the legend, you know, and kind of bring the two as close as we can possibly get them, right? Which is, I think, what we did with this subject. And that may very well be the case with the Wendigo, right? Because uh, maybe the Native Americans are off about, well, you have to be the starving person that becomes a cannibal. You know, maybe there's a disease there. Maybe it's a blood disorder. Correct. Maybe that's a way of looking Correct. at it. Is that what you're thinking? Uh, it, could, it could definitely be. Um, yeah, we should definitely do a show on I that. I think there, as far as Wendigo, I mean, there's so many, there's so many, there's so much lore from Native Americans in general that, you know, you could do an entire series. But uh, the Wendigo, right. uh, my initial thoughts is it is probably it is you know a form of cannibalism you know you gotta put yourself in that situation if you're really that hungry <laughs> i mean if i was right. that hungry you know would would i eat somebody i don't know because i've never been that hungry but 
I believe it could happen. And you know what else, too? I mean, we've seen film of cannibals. Aren't they awful skinny and unhealthy looking? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're literally starving. <laughs> <laughs> you never see a cannibal look like... <laughs> oh, one, one really important point I forgot to ta- talk about with that stonish woman's story. When she tells the woman that she has to cook the food... Yeah, which I found very interesting. She tells them... Yeah, she tells her that they can't eat raw food and she tells them because you know the blood if i if i get the blood i'll i'll wind up eating you guys but maybe there's another reason to not being able to get raw maybe the disease angle right because if there's going to be an interstellar mining operation they come down here they wouldn't have the antibodies to survive any disease they would pick up from eating humans raw yeah and there's still a you know there's tons of research out there on the benefits of eating meat versus not eating i'm a meat lover personally but i mean yeah uh, don't even think about the human species think about uh something if you have a cat for example the first time that cat tastes blood something happens to him (laughs) yeah uh it's true it's true you know and maybe that's to an extent basically he was getting that well you know i can't have the blood it has to be cooked Um, right well remember what we did with our vampire show we tried to explain it with a blood disorder so Man, very interesting topic, though, man. I don't want to initially jump to, you know, an off-world mining operation. But, man, just based on everything, how it was laid out, I don't think there's (laughs) – I don't have a better theory right now. No. No, That's my – right. I would say that's my working theory, but I don't don't see a better one. And I can't believe nobody else has that Dude, I would love to revisit this subject, too, just uh, down the line. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We can can talk about it again. Yeah, it's just just something really cool. I – had no idea i did watch a youtube video about a month and a half ago and there was a couple that was up in uh copper country is what they call it at the up in the upper peninsula right because our state has this weird island we call the upper peninsula here um and it doesn't look like it belongs but it does and you know there's a copper bay there and there's like a 380 pound or 400 pound ingot like on the sign for some town there really and, like, you could literally go and take your picture next to it, and so far no meth heads have stolen it. So, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, more to come about Michigan. There's more crazy yeah, stuff to talk about. Yeah, I'm excited for you about. to start exploring the state, man, and embedding yourself, uh, getting, getting those yeah, stories out of the local. There's no weird New Jersey here. There's, there's you know, so it hasn't been overdone, overcooked, yeah. told 25 times. That's the one good thing about, about being here. Matter of fact, I, I just have a sneaking suspicion, just just from my brief couple months here, people are really nuts and bolts here. They're very kind and very nice and very polite. Um, it takes a lot of grit to live here, period. So they're very self-sufficient and stuff like that. I don't know if I'm ever going to find someone who's going to bro- give me the dog man subject. <laughs> You know, you know, north of Detroit, yeah. right? Like, it just seems right off the bat, like, there's not a lot of, like, if you were to talk about ghosts or anything here, you'd probably get laughed at pretty good, so. Man, awesome. Sweet. Cool. So, um, just to let the audience know, we've, uh, we've been working on a, basically, side that we're going to be doing here in the near future, and between your move and I've been pretty, uh, this, this show was kind of just off the cuff, uh, I had no idea Mike was be talking about isle royale um he has no idea what i'm going to be talking about he just said bring something you're interested in and uh i initially talked to him about sleep paralysis that's super interesting to me oh thank god i thought you were going to talk about crap here. <laughs> yeah no <laughs> that 
I said, I am drinking a pumpkin ale at the moment. Nice. 135 on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> you got yeah. off, yeah. and you're it's a holiday, you know? <laughs> I've really been going pretty hard on the Oktoberfest around here, just trying to settle into this season. So, that said, I'm skipping sleep paralysis. I, I will get to that at some point. Um, it's very interesting to me, and I want to actually uh, do really good research for that show whenever we get to it and uh make it interesting but in the meantime what i want to talk about again it's october i'm looking i'm trying to do my uh october rituals i'm watching horror movies and i'm looking for things to watch (laughs) and that's one thing we talk about uh we don't just talk about you know true crime and the paranormal you know me and mike have a open dialogue text situation we're usually talking about sports you know movies (laughs) content content exactly so uh what I wanted to do was go through the subgenres of horror and get kind of your hot takes on, oh, cool. on some films, and I'll, I'll give mine as so. God, I hope I've seen them. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's a good chance, <laughs> you know. Hopefully, uh, there's some that I haven't seen that you mentioned that I can check out, you know, because that's all I'm sure. really trying to do yeah. is put a good list together for you know what I'm going to be watching this month. Well, that's and, a great idea. You know, maybe the audience haven't heard of a few of them, and you know they want to check them. So, so first subgenre. Is going to be psychological horror movies. And the first of psychological would be phobias. What do okay. you got? On phobias. And you throw it to me right away. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm i going to go with that um, that movie that I went with the first time we recorded this thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's Sigourney Weaver. And it's uh, Harry Connick Jr. And she's got... Um, agoraphobia yeah i'm gonna have to check that one out yeah and um it's it's not really a horror movie as much as it is a well it is because he's a serial killer and she has to come she has to fight both her agoraphobia and everything else to to catch him and he makes a point of trying to get her to come out of the house it's a really good movie and i will look it up right now why we're talking on the phone and tell everybody what the name of it is. So you go ahead, you do yours. All right. And for me, I got a, just arachnophobia. <laughs> it's uh, okay. I mean, it kind of is hokey when you watch it today, but when it came out, like, I was already scared of spiders. So, I mean, that one had, had me a little bit shook as a kid. So I'm going to say arachnophobia. Yeah. You know, it's weird, man. I like everybody I know, um, really, really hates spiders. You know, and I seem to be able to like pick them up and just throw them away or take them outside is usually what I do. Uh, it just has never bothered me. Yeah. Um, but at, literally the other day, cleaning up that wood pile, I got a um, black widow on me and I came in and it was crawling down my leg and I said, Oh, oh black widow. I just flicked it off. And, oh, and I thought, how stupid was that? I flicked <laughs> it off of my house. Yeah. It was idiotic. So he's running around somewhere in here and I'll tell Tracy. Yeah, but I get it. You know, I, I I'm skittish with roaches because oh, yeah. I grew up in Philly. You know, and I grew up in a neighborhood in the River Wards where there's a high water table. So mm-hmm. like you saw roach, you saw roaches all the time. No matter how how clean your house was, yeah, you had those big black water bugs. If you went out at night, um, you know they'd be running up and down the street. Man. Oh yeah, forget it. Um, yeah, that used to they used to get me too, man. Like uh, especially down the shore. Anywhere, like anywhere there were the stocks yes. or, uh, you know, any kind of like old jetties, forget about it. There's thousands and thousands of water bugs, but. Yeah, people don't realize how many of them are down the shore. That's true. Oh, yeah. It's, uh. Yeah. 
it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, they they roaches really creep me out. My wife is scared of every single bug. She freaks out at, during the ants season when the ants are coming in the house. Oh my god, we've got ants! Like it's <laughs> you know, like if there's a home invasion. You know, yeah. like I'm just, I'll hear her scream and I, what's the matter? You know, I think she cut herself or something. Yeah, it's her crawling across the stove. It's like, oh God, she, she's like freaked out by every single bug. The movie I was talking about was Copycat. Copycat. It was done in 1995. An agoraphobic psychologist and a female detective must work together to take down a serial killer. Yeah, I'm sure I've so, seen it at some point, but. I'll yeah, it's her and Holly. It's actually her and Holly Hunter. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a it's a really good movie. But that when you talk about psychological horror and, you know, just overcoming um, phobias, that's what sticks out for me. Gotcha. The only thing I'm, my phobia really is heights. I don't do heights. Yeah, you know what? Uh, heights, I feel like if heights don't bother you, there's something wrong with you. I feel like yeah. as a human, you're programmed, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think it's left over from, our, you know, from our uh, ancient, ancestors i really do yeah. the fear of heights thing i think that's what it is like literally if i have to put christmas lights on a one-story cape i'm like clinging to the roof like a spider i look like a spider crawling you know like i i can't stand up up there i'm freaked out completely <clears throat> oh, did you yeah. ever get that did you ever have that nightmare oh, where all you're, the time you're falling <laughs> okay all the time do you know that 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 is left over from our ancestors because we used to sleep in trees and we were scared of Neanderthals getting us. Because if we fell out of trees, the Neanderthals would get us and kill us. So uh, that's what that is. Well, that makes sense. But I definitely have that feeling. I used to have it a lot more when I was younger, but I still get it from time to time now. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. Uh, so, in- so the next subgenre would be madness. And as a example here, they have The Shining, which I don't think anybody can argue but uh, do you have anything for that? Yes, I do. Um, I'm going to go Session 9. All right. And it's still one of the scariest movies I watch every year. I watch two movies every year at, at Halloween. I think I'm going to just, I'm going to wedge the vigil in, too, after watching it again. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, it's always uh, Session 9 and um, Dead Birds are my go-tos at Halloween. They scare the living shit out of me. But <clears throat> Session 9 uh, not to give too much of the plot away, but it's about these guys who have like a, a asbestos business, asbestos removal business. Once again, this was something that was big in like the 80s and 90s. And uh, they're going into an old creepy sanitarium um, up in Massachusetts. And they are going to get all the asbestos out. And they're shorthanded and tensions are high and guys aren't showing up for work and that kind of stuff. And it it just goes on and on from there. There's some some tapes of uh, a person who has multiple personalities. And the actor who is in the movie that wrote the movie, um, he plays the part of the guy who finds the tapes. And he listens to all nine sessions. And that's why it's called Session 9. But it's a great cast. Um, really creepy uh, old sanitarium up in Massachusetts. Gotcha. And now I'm going to Google what the name of the sanitarium is. All right. This is what happens after you come on after a Phillies game. (laughs) Yeah, dude. And I had one for this category and I totally forgot what the hell it was. (laughs) Danvers Hospital. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Knocked down. But what a great uh, backdrop it made for that movie. So you got nothing on Madness? I had something (laughs) and I can't think of the name of it. (laughs) But uh, 
it had the guy from Jurassic Park one in it, and it was actually on a okay. space station. Uh, oh, uh, so that's Sam. Yeah, Sam. Oh, what is his name? Neil, I think. Sam Neil. Sam Neil. Yeah, he's an Australian actor. Yeah. Anyway, he's on a space station, and it's basically uh, it's going to hell, literally. Oh man, god damn it, dude. Well, we'll look that I up. I'll edit this, this out. It's not a big deal. You don't worry about it. Sam Neil, space station. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I'm typing in, man. Uh, uh, event Horizon. Yeah, Event Horizon. I'm gonna say Event Horizon yeah. for uh for me. You know I've never seen that. I'll have to it's check a good it out. one, man. I I need to check out a few of the ones you mentioned. I haven't seen. <coughs> yeah, now you're talking like years of you know years and years and years of watching scary movies, man, <laughs> and I just like have whittled it down to those too. Heck yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like I'm pretty well watched as far as horror goes, but uh, man, there's always something that I discover that you know I miss somewhere down the line that is usually a pretty good movie. Yeah, Session 9 was on the list as number one for a lot of years. I, I want to say like 10 years in a row it was in those, you know, like top 50 lists. Hell yeah. And uh, the next subgenre would be Home Invasion. And you had an interesting one for this last time we recorded. I did? What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> well, initially you said something else um, that I can't remember right now. But then you went back and changed okay. it to Last House on the left, which I 100% agree that's probably one yeah one sport yeah because they flip it on um the the home invaders yeah that's exactly stuff and uh no film school here has listed uh the strangers the purge and funny games which uh was also pretty terrifying but i'm gonna say you know what i'm gonna say the one you said originally which was your next which was a pretty awesome home invasion movie yeah and that's the one with the it girl is, <laughs> yeah it's great it's great it made those couple home invasion movies with uh blind people uh, and it just didn't go over well yeah i actually you know, I, I thought that one was awesome if we're thinking about the same one uh the guy that does all the house on haunteds the netflix series yes. is his wife yes who's beautiful Gilly- and i can't think of her name right now yeah, yeah you're, you're not talking about guillermo guillermo are you no El not Toro? not guillermo no. uh okay the guy that did uh the haunted hill house like the series oh okay okay yeah yeah that girl that also, he did uh, Midnight Mass, and the girl from that, that's the girl that he puts in all those series is actually his wife. Right. Um, but she played a blind girl in a movie, and uh, it was a home invasion type situation. Where actually, no, she was deaf. <laughs> that's what it was. Okay. And uh, basically, there's people breaking in behind her, and she's just sitting on the sofa, you know, watching the show with subtitles because she has no idea what's going on. Yeah, but, uh, that was actually. Pretty- you know what's scary? Those movies where there's somebody in the house and they're calling you. Yeah. <laughs> like the one that's Are You in the House Alone? That's a really old one. Are You in the House Alone? That's a really old one. Um, but they're always really scary. Yeah. And plus, I mean, they're it's like a urban legend, too, on top of that. So, yeah, that's, right. that's super creepy just when it's coming from inside your house, you know? Yes. Yeah. I told you the other night. Um, after we record, it was actually the night we recorded and the recording didn't record. Um, I was in here and I was, I said, all right, I'm going to get off and watch the vigil because we figured everything, you know, just a, <laughs> yeah. about editing, editing after Which, that. Awesome movie, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Really good stuff. And then, um, the way my house is, there's like a little patio between the screen room and, uh, the entrance that we use the most. And, uh, there's a, 
uh, motion-activated light out there. And then there's one in front of the house. And then right across the road, about 40 feet, it's my driveway, um, is the lean-to that has a motion light. And then the barn has a motion light. I'm sitting there watching the vigil, and it's getting to the really, really good parts, um, which are mostly in the beginning. Yeah. There's a lot of jump scares in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And I... The, the dog starts growling because the light goes on between the patio and, and the, or between the house and the screen room on the patio. So then I look and I see the one in front of the house go on. This is like one thirty in the morning. And then I see the one in the lean to near the barn go on. And then I see the one, I see the one in front of the barn go on. And I'm like, Holy shit, what is outside? And I never did see anything, but man, it gave me a pretty good scare. And then the next day I looked on the, um, Trail cam, and it was a cat. (laughs) (laughs) A big-ass cat, by the way. Yes, huge, huge, big-time cat. Yeah, you sent me the picture, and I was like, damn, I thought it was a bobcat, man. Yeah, It's always uneasy when you're home by yourself, and especially now, now that I live out in the middle of the woods, you know? I mean, nearest neighbor is a quarter mile away, so it's... Yeah, but I mean, you know, when if if you're watching a horror movie at home alone or, like, late at night by yourself... I mean, you're just taking it to the next level when you're living, like, out where you live. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, what are you going to run to your neighbors? Like, if something did happen, how far, is, how close is your nearest neighbor? About a quarter mile, and I can't run anymore anyway. <laughs> I'd be done. Oh, yeah, you know, I'd be done. Awesome. I'd have to pull, I'd have to, I'd have to, you know, pull weapons on the guy or whatever. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's funny, right? Like, is it worse to be home alone late at night? watching one of those scary movies in the city or in the woods. You know, probably, logically, it's much worse in the city. Yeah, but right? for some There's reason more you feel people safer. around. Yeah. <laughs> right. Isn't that weird? It is weird. Right? And, yeah, and it's it's probably the direct opposite. Yeah, because, I mean, honestly, if you're watching a movie late at night at your house, you're probably the most safe you're going to be. <laughs> you, just, yeah. you just feel more isolated, you know? Yeah. Oh, man. So, next subgenre is art house. So I don't really know what they mean by this. I'm assuming it's like a like those A24 movies, like the ones that are I, I guess kind of bougie or you know have like a lot of artistic freedom. Yeah. Uh, what are you thinking for that? I know what you um, said last time. Yeah, that I go to um, the Woody Harrelson um, killer movie. Is that what I I went to? No. Um, uh, you. I should have. I think you did. I think you picked that for. Uh, yeah, see, I got to stop trying to remember what I did the first time around. Yeah, that you, you picked that one for crime. Okay. Yeah. So art house movie. Um, you you originally said uh the one that's not fucking hereditary, but the other one. Oh shit, the one in like the rites of spring. Is that what it's called? Oh, um, you're talking about dude. We're doing it again. I know. I fucking know. <laughs> Lack of preparation. Well, at least we're recording, <laughs> right? You're talking about uh, what's it called? Summer? Yeah. Summer. Yeah, that's right. No, it's not what it's called. What's it Mid- called? Midsummer. <laughs> Midsummer. Yeah, I mean, Midsummer is a a great movie. Um, yeah, it. I I would go with that. I I don't really think it's art house though. Yeah. I, you know. I do. I would. Matter of fact, it's, it's not. It's not art house. You, you know, like we need to start over on art house. Let me read a definition. Okay. I can edit all this out. Don't worry about it. Art house. Well, if Mandy is art house, that's what I'm sticking with. Because I thought that was awesome. Art house film. What is an example of an art house movie? 
What are the characteristics of an art house film? Long takes and extended scenes that let the audience focus on the characters and their emotions. Now, that's interesting because didn't there is a movie out now. Um, I haven't seen it, so I can't go to that one for art house. But there's a movie out now, I believe, that has no dialogue. And it is a horror movie. Um, and once again, I don't remember what it is because I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet. But, you know, I'm skipping art house. All right. <laughs> let's skip it all the fuck together all right go to the, yeah let's go uh, to the next let's go next uh subgenre would be or the next genre would be killers and the first subgenre for killer would be slasher and that's like your okay. classic halloween friday the 13th yeah <coughs> yeah I, i'm pausing because i think you're gonna go all right yeah i'll go you're not because i think that's what happened last time you went and i had a little bit of a chance to think because I don't have anything written down. It sounds like you do. I don't. <laughs> but uh, oh. I will go with, I'll go with, uh, I'm going to go with Scream. Just because it's not the best slasher movie. I mean, God knows I've seen thousands of them and loved right. hundreds of them. You know, but there's just something about Scream that I, I come back to every year. Like every October I will watch Scream. At least the first yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, the original was great. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm. I want to go to Halloween. You can't go wrong with it, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, just because it's just such a... I mean, if you... You know, forget all the remakes and the different, you know, you know, sequels and all that other good stuff. And just go back to the original movie and look at the... Look at how little money they used to make it. And, like, literally, like, we don't have much money. Let's get a Captain Kirk mask and spray paint it. Right. Yeah, which ends up and being like they, the icon horror mask, you know. Yeah, and right, exactly. And then you know, it's just it's John Carpenter too, right? I mean, it's just is it John Carpenter? It is John Carpenter, and it's got that classic yeah. soundtrack too, you know. And that's really like his first try out of the gate. That was like wow, you know. There's so many good shots in it, great camera angles. Yeah, um, you know what really got me about the first one that like, I mean. I honestly, a lot of people aren't about the sequels. I I love all the Halloween sequels, like especially uh, the first few, even three, which had nothing to do with Michael Myers. But uh, that first scene in the first movie where it's the kid, it's like young Michael Myers, and he's got the mask on, and it's like one yeah. long shot. Man, there's something about that shot that, like, I don't yeah. think can be remade. Like it's been tried. <laughs> it's a lot of people have tried to remake that, but they can't quite do it justice like that. And there's some movie. really great. There's some really great characters in it too, like Laurie's best friend. I forget who she is. She's a character actor, actress from way back in the day, but she's really good in it too. She's just annoying enough and funny enough to like break up the seriousness of the movie a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and nobody believes Laurie, and Laurie's like the little goody two shoes, right? And uh, she's the sheriff's daughter in it, and um, it's just so it's just so well done. You know, even the creepy um, the creepy guy. Uh, the mental health institution guy, the doctor. Yeah, he's so creepy in it. It's just great, great stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's, it stands the test of time. You it can is just go watch slasher, it now, honestly. You know, you, you don't watch it for three years and then go watch it, and you know, there's going to be stuff you forget. And you're going to love it again. You know, it's just great stuff. Yeah, again, it's one of those ones that like you have to almost. It sets the tone for October, man. If you're really trying to get into it and immerse yourself into the, you know, the season. It's just, yes. there's nothing like Halloween, like just watching that movie and coming out of it being like, oh man, it's, it's definitely October. 
and it's not overly gory either. Yeah. Because I, I, I can't stand overly gory stuff just for the sake of being gory. Um, it's gory enough, and you get the picture, and it's just really... I, that's why I, I guess I never watched... I literally have never watched any of the Jason Voorhees movies. Yeah, and I mean, and that's the thing. I've caught the- bits and pieces, but, you know, I mean, it, there's really... You're just going to sit there and watch everybody die, right? I'm t- yeah, that's, <laughs> and then wait that's for him what to- it is. I mean, Friday the 13th, I mean, don't get it twisted. Again, it's, it's definitely iconic, but at the same time, it's it's not like Halloween, where Halloween tells a story. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it kills a kill in Halloween. I mean, you're getting stabbed or strangled. That's it. That's the bottom line. But in Friday the and 13th, actually the sequels. it's more about like, how can I make this next kill more bizarre than the last, you know? Yes, yes, right. I've got to show more blood. And I've got to get more crazy. Yeah, yes. like, let's get creative as possible with these kills. And Yeah, you know? it's like a Saw, like the Saw movies. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's, I, it's just, I never understood those either. I mean, Some people love that stuff, though. It's not really my thing, though. Like, I don't need to, I mean, I think the one you know, that gore really horror? gets to me. Yeah, I, that's. I would put it more with gore horror than I would with slasher, to be honest with you. Yeah, what I was going to say about gore horror is it's weird because, like, everybody that I've ever met that is into gore horror is female. Now, maybe that's just my life experience. I don't know. But, you know, they were they were great movies for, like, if you, you took your girlfriend to the movie, man, because, you know, she'd be in your lap most of the movie. <laughs> I mean, that's you very know, so true, So it was man. great. Yeah. But it's, it's really, like, everybody I've... You know, like I had a friend that I, a coworker that was really into this time of year. And as a matter of fact, when we stopped haunting, home haunting, I gave her all my stuff. And uh, she was into gore horror. I mean, I I showed her session nine. She's like, that was boring. Oh, man. You know, uh, and I'm like, well, what, what's your idea of horror? And she's like, oh, just blood and blood and guts. And, you know, I guess it's, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, that's, that's strange, man. And while we're on this subgenre, I do want to like, I do want to talk about a newer one that I've been super impressed with because a lot of slashers, I think they just pretty much fell off in the 90s other than Scream. That's the only right. one I, I'm giving any any actual clout to. I, I just think the subgenre as a whole just fell off. But uh, in the past few years, they've been doing these Happy Death Days. Have you seen those? Yeah. Because it's kind of yeah, like Groundhog Day. Yeah. But it's also like a classic slasher. I mean, those are... Those are top notch, man. I really enjoyed those movies. I don't want to list it as my go to slasher, but I definitely wanted to mention it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So next would be crime. And for crime, you already said uh, Natural Born Killers was yours. Uh, man, solid movie. Yeah. Still, you know, stands up to this day. That's real artsy, too. It's a real artsy film, right? So I guess we could sl- throw it out in an art house, too, if we really absolutely have to but <laughs> yeah it's it's just a really good flick man it's really well done Robert Downey Jr. you know just great stuff yeah and actually here with crime the way they have it listed on nofilmschool.com it's this crime slash uh giallo which is like the spaghetti horrors okay and uh I don't know about so much crime but if I'm thinking about spaghetti horrors uh man there's a few that come to mind but one specifically is a uh, which I have not seen the remake for yet, but the original Suspiria. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, with the yeah, uh, ballet school. Movie. Yeah, that. Yep. So if if I'm gonna knock off the crime and just say Spaghetti Howard, then that's where I'm I'm going Suspiria with it. Yeah, for me that one I'm gonna have to look up too, just because I'm tired. It's midnight, right? And I had a really long day. 
Um, and my mind is just not super sharp, but maybe you can help me out with this. Um, what is the movie where the girl gets brutally raped and then she winds up convincing all her killers or all her rapists, you know, slowly but surely she, she kills them all um, in different ways. And then the last one is she gets a guy in the tub and she's like giving him a handy and she cuts his dick off. Oh, I got it, man. Got it? Yeah. I spit on your grave. I spit on your grave. Yep. There you go. It's actually still listed as the number one. Really? Yep. Uh, the other the other name of it was Johnny's Not So Happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, uh. <laughs> spit in Your Grave is probably uh, the best revenge flick in the history of film. It center, centers around a woman who brutally kills a group of men who gang rapes her and is without a doubt pretty hard to watch at times due to now to how realistic and disturbing it is. So if that doesn't get you going, nothing will, and that's what you want to look for. You want to look, I spit on your grave, 1978, the original. Yeah, uh, good call on that. That was actually one of the first VR, VHS tapes I've ever ran it. I had a hard time getting it, too. The guy wasn't going to give it to me because I was like 16, but then he was like, all right, just go. <laughs> Back in the old days of... Uh, West Coast video. Yeah, man. We used to get there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, they had to think, too, in the summer where you could, like, rent five movies for $5 for five days. <laughs> yep. So, uh, I remember, like, my pops used to take us in there every week during the, like, when we'd be off for the summer. And we could just check out, like, he would let each of the kids pick out, like, you know, a movie or something like that. And he'd pick out the, the other two. And then we just have that was a good yeah, idea. We have five tapes to watch, like you know, Monday through Friday. We can watch like a tape a day or something like that. And it, yeah, and microwave popcorn was brand new, so you always <laughs> left with a couple bags. Remember, they sold the single packs, and you would just leave with a couple bags of microwave popcorn. It was just they were great for like rainy summer days. And yeah, but I have tons of a. Uh, Please be kind. Rewind. Yeah, I mean, yeah, blockbuster. <laughs> but I mean, like, I definitely have a lot of memories of West Coast Video. <laughs> Yeah, just think about that, right? Like, there's people that are maybe even listening to the show that have no idea what we're talking about. But you go in, you know, first you played the game, like you're trying to get the new release, right? Yeah. But <laughs> all the copies are out. And you're like, ah, oh. You know, or you're lucky enough to get one. Or you go up to the counter and you go, hey, did anybody return? Yeah, did anybody, is there know, anybody a copy of blah, blah, blah? Like, hey, check that drop yeah. box. <laughs> and they would sigh and roll their eyes and they'd go look. And then, you know, maybe 50% of the time they go, oh, yeah, here you go. You know, and you would go back out with it. And then, you know, you would you would be checking out and they would make you take your movies behind the little <laughs> like you had they they gave you the the perp walk. Yeah. They were like, All right, <laughs> you gotta walk past the uh you know, the the little alarm system before you can get your movies. Oh man. Yeah. Good memories. Yeah, it was man. good stuff. Yeah. And then there was also the uh the saloon section where they had all the porn. Yeah. <laughs> And people would give you the hairy eyeball if you went in. Yeah, I remember, like, thinking just if I got too close to that curtain or, like, the door. <laughs> like, everybody was watching me. But I always wanted to just, like, stick my head in real quick and see what I could see. Or taking your wife and girlfriend and they're trying to get a rom-com and you're like, fuck, I don't want to watch that <laughs> shit. <laughs> right? And you're like, no, no, but what about this action movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger? You know, and they don't want to watch that. There are many fights in West Coast video, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, many a good relationship ended on those uh, those red and yellow rugs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. oh God! 
All right. So the next one would be. Uh, oh, remember that too. What's that? The porns were always in a red cover. Yeah, I do. <laughs> that was the other thing, right? So you'd get two black, you know, anonymous, because uh, they didn't give you the, the the package that the movie was in. No, right? it was With all the advertisements. Well, I thought it. like it was, usually it was solid. It was solid red, wouldn't it? Yeah, and it, the porn was a different color. <laughs> so everybody knew like you would get it you would get a porn and people go ah yeah, it's literally a red flag see you know what, what I mean? you guys are doing right <laughs> so you oh what you got there you got a, like you know caddyshack oh and i see else. what you got you got a roll of cherry lifesavers oh and you got a couple bags of popcorn i see what you got planned for tonight <laughs> dude i used to think that working in a video store would be like the coolest job that or golf course and, well, you could have been Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> right? Yeah. Isn't that how he? I think so. Right. Yeah, he talks about that all the time. Man. But yeah, let's. Uh, did your generation? Did your generation have the cherry lifesaver thing? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Tell your girlfriends to get over old cherry lifesavers and do wicked, wicked things with them. That was definitely a thing. <laughs> okay, all right. I, gotcha. I think it's that still nice probably. Cubes. Is. I don't know. Do they even make them anymore? Ice cubes for uh, ice cubes for home jobs. Yeah, all that good stuff. <laughs> That was that was that's what Generation X is, um, you know, given to society. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, that's about our biggest uh, our biggest gift. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next one would be backwoods horror. Okay. And they got listed here for examples: uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Hills Have Eyes, and uh, Wrong Turn. You want to go with any of those? Yeah. Anything I, sticking out to you is like a deep cut? Well, you know, it's... I I think Jeepers Creepers is a backwoods horror movie. I agree. And it's awesome. And I really love that because of all the Mothman stuff and all that other good stuff. Um, you know, maybe Cabin in the Woods because it's different. Um, uh, Cabin in the Woods is definitely awesome. different. I mean, I, I yeah, guess you it's could even definitely throw like a different all thing. the Evil Deads in backwoods if you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Oh God! Evil Dead One. You know what? That's that's a that's actually what I'm going to do. I'm going to go with Evil Dead. Yeah, that, that's that definitely first movie. Holy! Um, I mean, that thing speaking out of the cellar. Come on, man. <laughs> it was creepy. It was definitely creepy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, going like the story I was just telling with the five movies for five dollars. Like that was definitely we watched Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness over and over again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, that first one, Good stuff. definitely a nightmare for you with the cellar. Oh my god, yeah, heck yeah! They, they did a good job too. They 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 locked it, and the chain was just long enough so that that thing could peek up out. You know, really good stuff. Heck yeah! But yeah, I I definitely agree, man. Uh, Cabin in the Woods was a super smart horror movie. If you want something different, yes, it was. And uh, Jeepers Creepers, man, uh, it, that's a solid horror movie in my book. That's like a a five star horror movie <laughs> yeah and then the hills we we also mentioned i think the first time around the hills have eyes yeah i think uh yeah we definitely did i i said there's a movie called high tension which is like a french backwoods movie yes um yeah that's another it good was one. backwoods but again it was like an international backwoods horror movie like not what you think of when you know you don't think of hills have eyes and uh you know, Texas yeah, a, it's a, this is a this is a really tough subject <clears throat> because there's so many good ones. As a matter of fact, there's probably a pretty good chance that probably half the movies you've ever watched have been backwards horror movies. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you think about it. Yeah, but yeah, that high tension. Uh, that was super suspenseful, man. That I remember that movie was 
super suspenseful, had me shook through the entire movie. And then there's a crazy twist at the end, which I didn't see coming. And that's, I, I yeah. tend to like those movies that I don't figure out on my own more than the ones that, you know, I, I have figured out. And that one was... Yeah, because you always usually have them figured out halfway through the movie. Oh, yeah. You know, most times. Maybe a couple outcomes, you know, but you're usually right about one of the two outcomes that you have figured out. And that one, no, you're not going to... You're probably not going to figure it out. All right. And the next one would be uh, Body Horror. And for this, they have listed The Fly, Videodrome, and District 9. Um, Just the way it's described here on the website is that it's most basic form body horror shows grotesque or disturbing violations of the human body. And we both pretty much, uh, the first time we recorded this, immediately just came to an agreement that uh, The Thing, which is pretty much, I think, my favorite horror movie, period, of all time. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can't beat that. I don't know why it's not even listed here. but uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's probably going to be listed as Creature. Yeah. You know? Uh, creature, for sure. And, uh, some other solid ones are, like, you know, Autopsy of Jane Doe. Some recent ones. Oh, yeah. And Autopsy had me shook. Um, there, there's a few movies that really scare me, like, pretty bad these days. <laughs> but that uh, Autopsy of Jane Doe actually had me a little bit shook. Like, I, I remember having nightmares about that. Yeah, the bell on the toes uh-huh. and it's good stuff. And he, there's actually really a creepy shot of her in that movie, too, um, when they're hiding in the closet. Uh, the other one I was, I think I mentioned the first time around, too, was Under the Skin. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely, man another very disturbing movie but uh yeah it, it's good i don't think i watched again but um watching it once it's like an alien yeah. <laughs> alien dressed up as a hot girl running around yeah and then uh scotland tricking guys to get into her van so she can send them into another dimension so they could be meat yeah and it, it's a good movie it's weird it's weird the way they're <laughs> killed it's so weird <laughs> yes yes oh man but uh yeah definitely check that one out <laughs> If you have not seen it, you should definitely watch it once. But I agree with yeah. you on that. Uh, next would be Cannibal. Okay. They got listed um, here: Cannibal Holocaust, The Green Inferno, and Raw. Um, I said uh, there's something called Bone Tomahawk, and I think I talked about another one as well. I'm trying to remember. Oh, uh, Ravenous from the late '90s, early 2000s, with uh, Guy Ritchie. Yeah. Not Guy Ritchie, but Guy Pierce. Yeah, that one yeah, was that one was pretty good. But that Bone Tomahawk, man, you said you still haven't seen that, have you? No. Or you started watching it and then couldn't get through it? I started watching it, but I didn't get very far, yeah. Yeah. But the dude who made it, I know, has made a few really good good movies. I want to go with one where, um, you know, it, it, it kind of turns out to be a cannibal movie at the end. It's Soylent Green. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's uh, definitely a good pick. I definitely yeah. consider that a cannibal movie because right? that's what it is. Like, and it's, I mean, that's exactly what Soylent Green is. <laughs> it's just human. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could argue it's an alien movie, but it's yeah, it's really not. Heck yeah. But that uh, that Bone Tomahawk, man. I remember it was slow, but when I started watching it, I didn't know what it was. I just remember I walked in. It was probably already started five minutes, and my pops was watching it. And I thought it was a regular western. And uh, I said, what's this? He said, Bone Tomahawk, which sounds like a normal Western title. <laughs> and I just remember watching it. You should have known, though, your dad. Yeah. <laughs> you should have known your dad wasn't watching a normal Western. He might have, but <laughs> might have normally. I, but, he knew yeah. what it was, but I thought I was just getting into a regular <laughs> Western until it gets really, suddenly it's not a Western anymore, and it's very sudden. And it's when that 
scene happens, man. It's from there on out. It's pure horror. <laughs> it's a, it's a pretty good one, man. But it does start slow. I, I'll definitely give you that. Yeah, there's a great, great scream. The creature has a great scream in that, so really disturbing. Oh yeah, heck yeah. So next would be uh the genre would be monsters, and the first subgenre would be zombies. So they have listed here okay. uh Night of the Living Dead, obviously. Train to Busan, which was uh, that Korean one from a few years ago, was pretty good. Right. And uh, 28 Days Later, which was also pretty good. Um, For me, it's not Night of the Living Dead, but Return of the Living Dead, which was the kind of wacky spinoff. <laughs> right. And there was a couple sequels to that. That's probably my favorite zombie movies, just because I remember watching it over and over as a kid. And it's kind of like, they're kind of funny at the same time. They're, I mean, they're definitely not comedy horror movies, but there's a lot of quirky, funny scenes in those movies. Yeah, I'm gonna go World War Z. Yeah, and I like I, you know, I, I I like it because they actually can move fast. You know, it's a little bit more frightening than you know something that is chasing you at two miles an hour. It's just really well done. The book is really well done. Heck yeah. Um, so I'm gonna go with that. Oh, that's that's and, a solid um, pick, man. I seeing as I think um, zombie movies are ridiculous to begin with. Uh, the other one um, that I would go with. Uh, is the movie with Woody Harrelson. Um, it's a comedy. Uh, Zombieland? Zombieland, yes. Yeah, that was pretty yes. good, man. Both the, the the original and the sequel were pretty good. Yeah, it's f- funny as hell. They're like the last people on the planet, and that awkward dude is like still worrying about picking up chicks. Yeah. It's interesting. Just goes to tell you that that's never going to change, right? <laughs> yeah. I think, honestly, no man. how bad things get. My favorite part of that movie was uh, Bill Murray. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, it's so, it's so good. I, I still have a hard time figuring out how they convinced him to do that. I don't know, man, but I'm glad he did. <laughs> I mean, so. Yeah, the stuff that Bill Murray's done late on in life is still funny. Oh, yeah. Right? It's still good, and it's still good, solid movies. And then there's Chevy Chase, who will basically just do anything. Now. Yeah. Um, He's doing local commercials down in the South for, like, a chicken joint. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a chicken joint um, down in the south. I think they got locations in Arkansas and Texas. I can't remember the name of it, but Chevy Chase does all their uh, commercials around Christmas time. Oh, damn! And you know, so he's like, they have it's like a fourth wall commercial where he's supposed to be Griswold, yeah. but you know, they they joke about him being Chevy Chase. Oh, that's funny. Chester's. Chester's. I never heard of that. Yeah, Chester's. Chester's. Uh, Chicken is the one that he does the commercials for, and they're all weird. Look up, look, look up Chevy Chase chicken commercials on YouTube. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess I, it looks like they're holding them hostage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least you he know, looks like so Bill unhappy doing to be Wes there. Anderson movies and shit. He ain't doing chicken commercials, but I mean, <laughs> oh, man. oh god. All right, so the next subgenre would be still in the monster category viral and they got listed here the crazies which i would consider that honestly just another zombie movie um but also they have mayhem and pony pool which those i get it those kind of fit more viral for me but uh i'm gonna say there's a movie called pony pool was awesome by the way but there's a movie called cell which was okay it was just okay but the book was stephen king and that thing was solid that was a solid book anyway but uh, that's what I think of when I think of viral. Also, all the other Stephen King movies and like made-for-TV movies that you know, literally like Outbreak, shit like that. Like yeah. there's tons of 
good viral stuff, man. Oh, you know what? Quarantine. I think is it is it the stand? Um, yeah, stand is the stand is a virus too, right? And everybody's dead, but yeah, you know, you're just basically telling the story of the survivors. Yeah, yeah, this is a tough one for me. Um, yeah, uh, and I remember actually last time I said quarantine, and I'm gonna go back and stick with it because that's a solid. That's another solid movie in my book. Yeah, that's that's probably if you're just looking for a horror movie that you don't have to figure <clears> out, it's, it doesn't have geopolitics in it and all the other bullshit quarantine is just great yeah that's where i'm gonna go to i'm gonna agree with you on that one Ah, cool next and i think we somehow skipped this last time but uh i don't know how the hell we did but vampire yeah let the right one in for me little child vampire yeah i think uh i'm gonna go 30 days at night um oh it's such a great yeah have you seen that one yes dude i just i love when vampires are scary I don't want to see these Holly. I don't want to see oh, made up. It's so like, scary too. Yeah, I don't. If I get it, you know, there's something glamorous about vampires, but they don't have to be sparkly and shit. And uh, you know, Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. Like, I don't need. They're not my vampires, man. I need some scary vampires. And uh, that Thirty Days a Night does it for me, man. I feel like that's a perfect. Not to mention, movie. it's like a piece of your life. Oh uh, yeah, it is. Right. I mean, <laughs> you, you you're up there, and yeah, I mean, you go through all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, so that's that for me. Next would be Werewolf. And they have listed here American Werewolf in London, which is, again, absolute classic. Um, The Wolfman and the Howling. Uh, for me, I don't know. The last Werewolf by Night that came out on Disney, actually, of all things, just a couple years ago, they tried to make it like a... They tried to make it like a really grindhouse-type black-and-white, like, universal-era monster movie. Right. They did an awesome job with it, uh, but it really wasn't quite a movie. It's just like an hour, like maybe actually just under an hour long. So I wouldn't even consider it a movie. But my favorite werewolf period of all time is uh, from Monster Squad. I feel like that's the scariest werewolf yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Even though that's like a slightly, uh, it's like the Goonies version of a horror movie because you know it's a kids, yeah. Yeah. kids are basically the main characters in it. But that werewolf. Uh, was the scariest werewolf to me. But I think my favorite werewolf movie period is Silver Bullet. Yeah, that's a good one. And yeah, you know, and two, that was one that was shot a really long time ago. Yeah, I'm surprised that hasn't been remade, to be honest with you. But the, the head the head werewolf in that movie is just like the most unassuming character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in real life, you know, so it is a really, that's a great pick. I'm going to go with Blood Moon. Oh, yeah. Um... That's a movie that was done a few years ago. I'm trying to remember when, but anyway, uh, it's about a single mother who has a she has a one night stand with a uh, a werewolf, and she doesn't realize it. Um, and I guess during her sex, she gets bit or whatever a little bit, and uh, he leaves in the morning, and she's left with this son who winds up coming up and being a werewolf, and he slowly, you know getting worse and worse and he's 10 years old in the movie um his name's esme and she has to lock him up every like 30 days and keep him inside for like three or four days and at the same time she's got to make a living she's a single mother right and she keeps moving around because people keep figuring it out so she's going from town to town you know like the opening scene is you see them unpacking 
you know, and you're wondering what's going on. And, you know, then the first full moon comes and you realize she's like out getting dogs for him to eat and yeah. stuff like that. So she can get him through. And it's good how they set up um, him getting discovered in a town she's in. See, I haven't uh, seen it, man, but I definitely want to see it. I'm, I meant to yeah, look it's it up. great. She, she starts to date and she starts to get like a social life because he tells her mom, you got to go out and have a social life. And there's one night where she just forgets. She just forgets to go home. She forgets it's a full moon and all hell breaks loose, but just a really good movie. It's called blood moon. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm definitely going to check that out. It reminds me, I, I seen something recently, uh, a trailer for a movie that I haven't seen yet. It's like a, it's a vampire mom and a kid, but they're on a flight. Uh, like a, a international flight, and I guess they're like chasing, you know, they're flying at a certain time of night so that they don't get caught in the sun. Just so they can st- stay in the dark. Yeah. It, yeah, I haven't seen it, but it actually, just what you're saying reminds me of a werewolf version of that almost. Which you know, right. I'm, I'm, after hearing about Blood Moon, I want to see it for sure. Yeah, it's really good. It's really well acted too. You'll you'll enjoy it. Uh, heck yeah! So next one would be, uh, just classic monster classic monster movies and they have listed here uh the horror of dracula yeah i i'm gonna go um i i kind of hesitated about this one the last time around but i'm gonna go nosferatu just because it was such a good movie yeah it's willem dafoe and um it's interesting how they made it into a movie right like it's an interesting concept for a movie how they did it but to me um that old time stuff is scarier than these. Like I, like you said, these modern Hollywood vampires are not that scary. Yeah, and are, are you talking um, about the original Nosferatu from like the twenties? Are you talking about no, the one Will, Willem Dafoe? Willem Dafoe, uh, yeah, the one that's, that the, that's a really good yeah, one. Where man. They, and not a lot of people know about yeah, that movie, but it's awesome. No, and they have that one that's uh, ridiculously high to rent right now. Um, Last Voyage of the Demeter. Yeah. We talked about that last time around too, and they just uh, they will not drop that price, man. I think on November first, it's yeah, probably. probably. I don't know. I'll take a look I, at again, it again. I ain't renting it till it's five dollars for sure. But it's that classic Salem's Lot type vampire, like that Nosferatu vampire. Yeah. It's just classic. Yeah, that's what I want my vampires to be. And I think actually, yep. Last time around, when we did this list, when it came to vampire movies, I didn't say Thirty Days a Night. I actually said. Uh, the TV movie Salem's Lot, which you know, yeah, you did, which did terrify me. I mean, but that that is the kind of vampire I want to see in a movie, you know. Back, holy man, back, shaman. <laughs> <laughs> the original TV series Salem's Lot is just great. <laughs> it is. It's yeah. The remake's not so hot, but the the old one, you know, yeah, even even Return of Salem's Lot, which is like the follow up one to it, is not that bad. But the the OG just it Salem's got a lot Lot's of awesome. Yeah, it got a lot of hate, and I I like it. You know what? They, and it, you know, the scene with um the grave digger. Oh yeah, where he just shows up and well, then the scene too with in the beginning with the vampire like raking his nails against the, the window, trying to get Danny Glick to let him in. Oh yeah, that's the part that you that's know, the scene uh, that sticks out to me is that window scene. I mean, yeah, because I was probably you know a teenager then, um, and it just was. It hit home. You you were a little child, so you must have been scared shitless to go to bed. Yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> like, I I actually needed curtains in my room, man, to like cover the windows. Because <laughs> that that garlic on the windowsill. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, dude. I had I had like a vampire kit. 
<laughs> yeah, and it's you know it's set in a small Maine. Maine is a very good setting for horror movies. Oh, yeah. it just really, you is. know, they did a show. Uh, I I don't know if it was Hulu or Amazon or something a while back, but it's it's like a it, it's it's about the town. Um, it's about the town from all. Oh, Castle yeah, Rock. Castle Rock. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, the actress that plays um. It, they roll all these Stephen King characters into it, and the actress is playing the um, uh, the part uh, Annie from Misery. She's playing her in it, and she's great. This young actress is fantastic oh, yeah. in it. Yeah, she's. Have you seen it? Um, no, I have not. All right, well, at least watch the first season. Yeah, I, um, I definitely will. You'll really I like think it. I'm, I may actually try to do that here soon. Yeah. So Annie in the movie Misery. Yeah. Um. You know, with James Caan, and there's the the lady that plays the other part. I can't remember her name. This is, uh, yeah, I'm trying to blank on her name right now too. It's just late at night. I'm tired, <laughs> but yeah, she um she is a nurse, and you know that because she's able to get these drugs and all that stuff for James Caan. So what they do with Castle Rock is they go way back, and she talks a little bit in misery about her daughter, uh, and they give her a daughter in Castle Rock, and she is in the hospital um she's got the, the the woman who plays the part has her mannerisms down cold and all her little goofy sayings really <laughs> um yeah she's got it down cold it's a it's really good man it's good stuff yeah i definitely i know it seems like they try to make like landmarks from the from the books and the movies like really in, they try to get them in the show cuz it, it seems like they even had the uh, the prison in there i think that's like well, he's created his, he's got, you know, he's a genius. The yeah, guy he's, he's literally, he's creating fiction. He's a world builder. Like he built that world. He's a, I'm not a fan of him. I think he's a POS in real life, but <laughs> you know, and not for political reasons, even though he's crazy with his politics. Um, but he's created this little world in his head, you know, and he's got all these recurring characters. Even if you read his books, you'll see a lot of the same last names in the books and it'll just come up, right? You'll see this last name, and you're like, "What? Didn't he use that last name before?" And you know, you find out that six movies back, somebody else had the same last name. So he's got this whole world riding, running around in his head. Yeah, um, it's it's he, wild. He, he and his wife own an apple orchard um, in Maine, and I I crank called them one time. <laughs> yeah, and I got her on the phone. Oh man. Yeah, I'm just not a fan of him. Um, just not a fan. He just that guy who hit him. He he essentially just persecuted that guy till he wound up killing himself. Uh, the guy that actually hit him when he was out on his run, you know, he, he got hit right. No, I I don't That's know part of what, about that. Yeah, he was jogging and running, and he got hit. Uh, it was when he was on his health kick when he quit alcohol and cocaine and all that other good stuff. He so he basically was running on this little roadside. Um, it was, I believe, in broad daylight or early morning, and some guy in a van hit him. And he was in a hospital for a really long time. It was like touch and go whether he was going to live. But from that experience, he drew misery. Um, he oh, drew that's that what I was just thinking. Like he, maybe that's where misery came from. <laughs> yeah, and he drew um, the doctor from Pet Cemetery out of it. Oh, shit. you know, so he, he he takes little bits and pieces and he draws it out from that experience. But the poor guy who hit him, basically, who just was like a poor alcoholic living in a trailer, um, you know, with a couple dogs. Like, go read about it. I don't want to say any more about it, but go read what he did to this yeah, guy. I'll check he's it out. He's just not. He's a POS. I'll probably cut all that good stuff out of this. Nah, man, let it ride. Let it yeah. ride. 
just me and you talking, he's an absolute piece of shit. He drove this guy fucking crazy. I think he took his dogs away from him, and the guy just spiraled out of control and fucking killed himself. Damn. He's an egotistical asshole, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It sucks, man, because that is a cool world. Like, It's great. I, You know, if, if I've got to be stuck on a desert island with just a few books, at least one of them is going to be a Stephen King yeah. book, you know? you know? Like I said, like, that, uh, when we were talking about the viral stuff, that book sell. The movie was kind of, it was just okay. I like John Cusack and Samuel Jackson in it. But uh, the book, man, I read the book before I saw the movie. And the book was for a zombie book, a viral zombie book from Stephen King. Like, he did way better with the zombies than I thought he would. But uh, it's just different from his other shit. Yeah, I haven't really, I, I guess he's still writing. Um, I haven't really kept up with it. Like, he did that Mercedes Man, and I think they made that for TV and stuff like that. He just went uber leftist and... You know, like woke and all that yeah, other stuff. The, and all of a sudden, I think the best of his, the shit is over with. Yeah, that especially. Well, what I was going to say was like now, all of a sudden, because he did that, it's opened him up to be like the Hollywood darling, right? So you see Castle Rock getting made, you see uh, Mister Mercedes getting made, you know. But it's funny because um, my wife talks about how horribly he writes female characters in his books. They're just unrealistic. Yeah, we've talked about um, this. They're either crazy or whorish, right? And there is no no between, like, every hero in his books is a guy, <laughs> you know, with the exception of Carrie. And he's just, uh, it, it's funny how she uh, she's just like, I tried to read him, but, like, every time he writes a female character, I'm like, well, some female wouldn't say that, you know? So it's it, he, he, that's kind of a weakness of his uh, his writing. Yeah. Well, I just I know my aunt and my mom. I remember them reading everything Stephen King when I was a kid, uh, like before they were made into movies. <laughs> yeah, my father reads still about twelve books a week, like literally fiction. Twelve books a week. Damn. I'm not That's kidding awesome. you. He goes to paperback. He goes to the drugstore and buys paperbacks. <laughs> and he pays full price. Right, and he'll go through twelve books a week. He's a ravenous reader. Man. Damn, that's that's all he What's does. What's he read mostly? So like he started out reading a lot of horror, which got me into reading horror. Like he introduced Stephen uh -huh. King to me, you know, because he basically he would. I'm not kidding you. You know the old brown sack paper shopping oh, yeah. bags. Every week he would bring one to my house, and it was <laughs> Just probably two thirds of the way full of paperbacks, and I would be like. What did you get this the last three months? And he goes, No, I read all that stuff last week. He just, yeah, it used to drive people crazy because he was a pressman, a printing pressman. Um, and when we worked at the same print shop, he would not look at his jobs and he would just like get the job running on the press and then he would go sit in the chair and read. It drove the supervisors crazy. But he, <laughs> but he was just really good at his job and he never made any mistakes. So they kept him around. But he he would have it. He was the only person there that had a chair at the press. <laughs> That's wild. Used to drive people crazy. But yeah, he a ravenous reader, man. Everything you know, like you think of any famous author, he's read it all. I can't get through a book anymore. Uh, I think what's changed with me is that a lot of these books are uh, audio now, like Audible books. Yes, that I can get yeah, through. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's. I mean, there's really nothing like sitting down and reading a book, like especially like if you're really trying to like immerse yourself and like set the mood and everything. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. But uh, 
but man, these audiobooks make it so easy just to, because I mean, it's really good writing yes. too, man. It's just, okay, yeah, I'll, I basically listen to this whole book, you know, over a period of a, you know, about a week and a half, literally just driving back and forth from work or uh, even at the gym, you know what I mean? You can knock out like half a book right there in a day. Yeah, you've got to be able to multitask nowadays. And, you know, who has the time to sit around and read for hours? Yeah. It's tough. It, you know? it's, a, it's a shame, man. But I haven't really sat down and read something for almost, it's been almost a year now. And it's it's a sad excuse because we sit and read our phones all day long, yeah. right? So it's obviously, yeah. But I, I'm sitting here with a book in my hand right now that I got probably two months ago. And I was so excited to get it because I knew there were some really cool stories in it. It's strange stories of Alaska and the Yukon, and I was going to pass it on to oh, you man. after I was done by Ed, by Ed Farrell, and this is supposed to be one of the, the greatest collections of stories. It's not all horror and ghost stuff. It's just you know a lot of uh, animal, extinct animals, and that kind of thing in here. And I've had it for two months, and I've not even opened it up yet. Oh man, yeah, you know what? If you've yeah. had a busy last few months, though, man. <laughs> that's true so yeah. like you know but what I, I, even i gotta be honest with you i probably wouldn't anyway yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know i gotta get that i've got to get to the point of like doing that for maybe like an hour a day instead of you know like any kind of meditation or anything like that just yeah you know it's easy when you make it like a ritual you know um that's what you got to do yeah it's the best way to do it is to plan your day yeah speaking of uh animals because you just mentioned that from the book that's the next subgenre. Be horror, but animal focused. So they have listed here Jaws, yeah. which is. I remember what I said. Um, I said Cujo. Yeah, which is a solid answer. Um, yeah. Yeah, Cujo was definitely left an impact on me after I seen it. I was pretty young when I saw it. So uh, I think, you know, maybe that's by design because I was trying to pet everything I saw. Maybe my parents just put on Cujo to maybe straighten me out a little bit. Cause not every dog needs to be pet, you know? I don't know. <laughs> I just got a feeling maybe that's well, what it was about. But but I do remember seeing it very some, young. Some of our friends uh, were that we camped with for years had a St. Bernard. And after I watched Cujo, I got so skittish around that St. Bernard. Because the St. Bernard they used in the movie is very ferocious, very well-trained dog. But, you know, most of them are gentle yeah, giants. They're, they're sweethearts. <laughs> yeah, I grew up around St. Bernard's, right? Like, my one uncle had Great Danes and St. Bernard's, and they were always gentle. And then Cujo, God. See, Great Danes, you know, but man, rabies freak is, me out. Rabies no, is just... Great Danes are also some of the sweetest dogs ever. But there's something about yeah. them, man, that's like... <laughs> something about them, dude. Yeah. The way they... Like, you don't have to do that funny-ass, like, sidewalk when they're coming at you. Like, like their yep. back legs are almost going faster than their front legs. Something about that, man. <laughs> just... And it, like that weird side eye, because usually the side eye means yeah. like they're gonna attack. But uh, th- I mean, shit, that's just what Great Danes look like ninety percent of the time. Yeah, you want to see a scary dog, and I just came across them this week. There's a dog called the Alibi, and it's literally spelled like like you know, an actual alibi, like an alibi. Yeah, and it's also called the uh, Central Asian Sheepdog. Go check that dog out. Somebody should make a freaking horror movie with those things running <laughs> rough shot. Oh shit. Yeah, I don't know anything about yeah. that dog. I have to check it out. So, what's your animal movie? Uh, I'm going with a probably not so well known one called Burning Bright, which I feel like is man another solid horror movie. But uh, it's without you know it's it's not a surprise or a spoiler, but it's about a tiger, and this tiger is the okay. villain in the movie, but uh, a villain in the movie, I should say. But what it's about is uh, 
it's like a teenage girl and her autistic little brother are stuck in a house during a hurricane and there's a tiger in there. And that was an awesome movie, dude. <laughs> and I nobody go I've talked to knows then. about that movie. And I just saw it was streaming on something, whether it's, you know, you know, Amazon, Peacock, or Hulu, one of them streaming services. I I did see Burning Bright was definitely listed on one of them. Yeah. I have no idea which one. Do you, do you know what the blacklist is? No. Um, I mean, the show? In Hollywood. No, the, there's a thing called the blacklist. And basically what it is, is it's the scripts that they're considering for movies. And like, literally, you can look at this stuff online because it's it has to be available online because the studio execs want to go check out the scripts and they want to, you know, they want to get ideas as to what they're going to be making next. And they plan these movies out so far in advance, right? Like they're years in advance. They know what they're putting out in 2026. Yeah. And there's this blacklist. It's the scripts that they're thinking about making. And there's usually like 30 of them on there and you can go look at them. They're, they're there. If you just Google the blacklist scripts, they'll come up and there's always like, there's always a movie on there and, or an idea, you know, but, they, they don't actually have the full script. They have like a little yeah, synopsis like of what yeah. the movie's about. Yeah. And there's always, if you notice, Hollywood always comes out with two movies that are very similar at the same time. Because what your Burning Bright movie made me think about is made me think about that movie where the kid is stuck on the rowboat oh, yeah, with the like tiger. Pie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like they always, and then there's one that gets made really well and they throw a lot of money into it. And then there's one that's like, absolutely horrible <laughs> so maybe maybe you know there was hey let's make a movie about being stuck with a tiger right and maybe that's what it was maybe life of pi and then burning bright yeah i mean i i still have not seen the movie life of pi but i read that book uh right when it came i actually read that book while i was at the sea um and i mean that's if the movie's anything like the book i mean it's pretty g-rated for the most part but uh, this burning bright, man, it's not like, oh, they're just stuck in a house with the tigers. Like, the tiger's stalking them through the house. It's, it's almost more of a slasher movie than most slashers you've seen. Except it ain't it ain't a guy right. with a kitchen knife. It's a, it's a whole-ass fucking tiger. They're in a hurricane. So it's <laughs> there's, like, flooding involved. Dude, it's, it's an awesome movie. It's a really good movie. I'm, I'm probably overhyping it at this point. But, man, uh, yeah, burning bright was awesome. It's funny that... Um... That sounds good. I'm going to definitely go back and check that. There, I remember there was a movie on that blacklist that I was talking about for years. It was called The Voices, and I had read the book. Um, I don't remember whether it was a short story or a book, but it was basically about this guy who, um, he's a little bit of a weirdo, lives by himself, and they made a movie out of it with Ryan Reynolds. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Have you seen The Voices? Uh, yeah, I think. Is that where he accidentally kills a girl? Yeah, yeah. And he, he like his apartment looks really good, and then you know, like the actual reality is, it's all disheveled. His dog looks like a really cute little dog, and the reality is that it's all flea bitten and nasty and stuff yeah. like that. It was such a great story, and they just absolutely ruined really? it. You know, and I thought it was going to be so good because when I read it, I was so excited about it. Well, I remember, but yeah, it. like I that was one of the first movies I rented that was streaming. Like actually, believe it or not, um, was the voices, and I remember seeing the trailer and thinking like, "Oh shit, I like Ryan Reynolds. Like <laughs> this is gonna be right. an awesome movie." But like, just yeah. I mean, from the trailer, it looked really good. Like I'd really enjoy it, man. It sucked. It was not a good movie. Yeah, it it was terrible. 
Yeah, they did just a terrible job with it. But if you can, go go back and read the source material for that. I forget what the name of the book was. But if you can, go back and read that, and you, you'll absolutely love it. Gotcha. All right, so let's move on here to uh, giant creatures. And I think we both agreed on this one as well. They have listed here Godzilla, which I love all the Godzilla movies. Like, I've been a Godzilla fan for as long as I can remember. King Kong, you know, uh any of the kaiju movies I loved, but I think we right. both agreed on uh, on Cloverfield. Yeah, which I mean, yeah, I, de- I definitely went Cloverfield on yeah. that. I mean, that's again one of the. It's not only an awesome kaiju movie, but it's a it's a solid found footage movie. Which again, like I I do think Quarantine is awesome, but not all those found footage movies are awesome. <laughs> There's a lot that are terrible. No. And uh, yeah. that happens to be one of the best ones. That's actually a genre that's gotten worse. Oh, yeah, it definitely it has. <laughs> All right, and then on the opposite end of that spectrum, uh, small creatures. So they got, like, ghoulies, gremlins. Um, yep, I'm Trilogy of Terror critters. for me. My yeah. little <laughs> my little scary guy that I've got yeah, here. Yeah, solid pick, um, man. My little Zuni warrior Yeah, <laughs> that I bought that you can now buy on Amazon for $300. Damn, $300? But yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But somebody, some guy was making these a while back, and I bought that. I bought a uh, Fiji mermaid, and I bought a baby werewolf. I have a werewolf fetus. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually sitting on my fireplace right now, you know, because we're decorated up for Halloween. You know, because we used to do the home yeah. haunt. But, yeah, that Zuni warrior, I keep him here in the office. He used to sit behind me, too, when we recorded, when I had the old studio in Jersey. And um, that, that, to me... Is one of those movies, man. Karen Black at the end, sitting on the floor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's this. That's and what sit, sticks out to me. I think it's that scene always. Yeah, he's just so relentless in it. Like again, right? Like there, she has no time to breathe. He's on top of her, trying to kill. Well, her. it's like very it's just, uh, Energizer Bunny. <laughs> yes. You know? yes. Like it don't stop. Yep. Yeah. And when I was a kid, I couldn't say it. I used to say, Triology, Dad, put Triology of Terror on. You know? And he was like, It's Trilogy, dummy. And I couldn't say it. But there was two other movies. There's Trilogy of Terror, the movie. There's two other stories in there. One's about a giant rat. I can't wall. remember because I don't only really remember that, uh, the one we're talking about. Yeah. The other two movies, or the other two stories in that movie uh, were not that good. Well, for small creatures, uh, the movie I'm picking isn't a movie about small creatures, but it has small creatures in it um, that I was pretty scared of when I was a kid. But the movie's called The Gate, which is an excellent movie. But the demons in The yeah. Gate were these small creatures, man, that uh, were also kind of relentless. You just had to, like, slam them in doors and stomp them. But uh, those little things freaked me out. Yeah, that's a great, great flick. Yeah. I guess people went gremlins and all that other crap all right? Yeah. Yeah. No, not scary enough for me. Yeah. And, you know, I watched Gremlins and Ghoulies. I watched all the sequels. And uh, there's even another one with, like, these fur balls. I'm trying to remember. Oh, Critters. I don't know if you ever seen that. That was yeah. also kind of a B movie. <laughs> I would say, actually, probably more sci fi. Yeah. But, yeah, the little critters don't really don't really get me. Um, But they also have, like, Neo monsters here, which uh, they're saying, for examples, they have listed. Uh, tremors and there's too many I think I, this is the one I passed on last time because there's so many just straight monster movies that I, I can't choose I cannot choose just a single monster movie yeah they don't break it down any further than no, that no they really don't and it's funny because most of them they have listed like 
two or three movies, but this they have literally just Tremors. Wow. Yeah, I don't remember what I said on this one. Do you remember what I said? Uh, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think I had a good answer for it, but I can't. I can't think of it now. Um, now I can't remember. Fuck. Let me see. Maybe this is where you said the thing. I. This is where we. Yeah. I, for me, it's going to be the yeah, thing. Yeah, because you didn't say the thing for body horror. I think I just moved that up there. I think this is where we said the thing because honestly, it's the best monster. Yeah. Movie. But uh. Yeah. Yeah, it really yeah. is. I mean, there's two. There's just too many monster movies, and there's so many good ones that I don't want to. I just don't want to pick. Yeah, they're at the Arctic Circle. There's a small team of them. They wind up uncovering some. I think they're digging, right? Aren't they digging and they uncover the thing? Yeah. So it's it's funny because they had all right. So in the fifties, there was a movie called The Thing from Another World, which is what the thing is based on. The thing that we're talking about is from okay. the eighties. It's John Carpenter's The Thing, which is a reimagining of right. that fifties, you know, B movie. And uh, they're they're both in the Arctic Circle. But then in the 2000s, there was a, a sequel to The Thing. This is actually a prequel to the 80s movie. It's more like the 50s version. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? I, did you ever see that? Oh, man, no. it's awesome. Uh, it's got uh, Mary Elizabeth Winnestead in it. She's like one of my favorite actresses right now. Um, I'll have to check yeah, that out. She's a she's a bombshell for me. But, uh, yeah, the movie itself was pretty good. And then huh. if, if you've seen the 50s version, you know the monster was really just like a like a, a weird potato. <laughs> yeah. Like a potato yeah. person, honestly, <laughs> but it came out of the ice and that's exactly what happened in, uh, in the two thousands, the thing that was the prequel to the eighties thing. Cause in the eighties thing, the John right. Carpenter one that we're talking about, the one that's the best horror movie of all time. In, in our opinion, it starts out after, after a research facility, basically everybody just went missing. All you see is a dog. It's right. a dog that wanders in. It's a snow dog or sled dog rather that, wanders to one research camp from another Norwegian research camp. And you don't know anything about it, honestly, until they got to go. They actually go to that camp and investigate and figure out they pull something out of the ice, but they don't know the story behind it. So the one in 2000 was the right. whole backstory. So that was the Norwegian camp. Oh, I'm going to have to go yeah, check that a, out. It's a solid movie. It's as good as you can get for a sequel that's coming out decades after the original movie. You know? pre- yeah, it's a, pre- a prequel, I guess you would yeah. say. Yep. But one thing it doesn't have is all the, I guess, the special effects from the 80s one were top-notch. Um, maybe some people think it's a little bit hokey now because CGI's gotten so much better. But there was no CGI back then. And those visual effects, yeah. man, were so creepy. So creepy. Yeah. Yeah, they really were. Yeah, it's Tom Servini. Servini worked on that, I believe. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yep. Uh, Yeah, so the next one would be Sci-Fi and Aliens, which... I guess technically we could throw the thing in there, but they have listed here Alien and Prey, which you know basically the last Predator. Yeah, I, I, I'm got I've got to go with the whole Predator thing. I mean, the Predator for me had been the most on money aliens that I've 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 imagined in my life. I mean, they they really are over the top, just raising hell and unbelievable abilities and that kind of stuff. It's scariest that you know. Yeah, I mean, I. I, Alien movie for me is the whole Predator series. Yeah, for me, um, I mean, I do. I love all the Alien movies and the Predator movies. But uh, if we're just talking about sci-fi and aliens in general, the scariest movie to me would probably be that damn uh, Fire in the Sky from the 90s. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I, th- I think just mainly because 
just the, the shock factor of you know, I guess the classic grays be just a spacesuit, which is what's scary yeah. about that is I don't know. It's maybe it's just me these days, but uh, if you look at the aliens <laughs> outside of the suit, they just look like they just look like Joe Biden to me. <laughs> They really do. <laughs> oh God! I don't know if you want to cut that, but that's really do that. It's all like every time oh, I'm I not going to cut that. That's, that's all awesome. I'm like Jesus. <laughs> oh God, that's too funny. All right, let's let's move on. Now, finally, paranormal. We're in the paranormal genre, so the first subgenre would be ghosts and spirits. You took a pass here, right? And you went to your first TV. Movie. You want to do that again, or yeah, yeah, I'm going to go Haunting of Hill House. You know, if I've got to do a movie, I would do The Changeling with George C. Scott. But, yeah, I would go Haunting of Hill House. I think it's one of the best things that I've ever seen. It's just so well done. All the hidden ghosts. Yeah, it really is. You know, it's it's actually a ghost movie, but it's more about, you know, how dysfunctional families can get. And, um, you know, everybody has a little bit of that experience, right? So there's that whole thing in it. But, like, just for example, the... The tall man with the hat. Yeah. I mean, come on. That thing's terrifying. Oh, yeah. Well. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. I mean, just the movie's so relatable. But every every scene, man, if you just look hard enough, you're going to find one. And when you find it, it's startling. Because it's in like, it's yeah. it's right in front of you the whole time. It's just, it's always never where the camera's focused. But if you look, you'll find a ghost in almost every scene in that, in that show. It's very yeah. incredibly well It's fun to go back through. Yeah, it's fun to go back through and look at that. Um, the Fall of the House of Usher, I believe, is a, it's a lot of the same actors in it. Yeah. I don't know if the same guy is doing the, the show. It's been good so far. It's a little bit over the top because that was the other thing about The Haunting of Hill House. All the dialogue was very believable and the situations were very believable and what people did in those situations was very believable. Fall of the House of Usher is um, really well done so far. And it is scary. There are some good scares. I'm gonna have to it. check it out. Um, but there's not. I I don't see all the hidden ghosts. So they dropped that idea. I guess because it was so well, well publicized. You know, the first time around with the haunting of Hell yeah. House. You know, with that movie too. There's several scenes in that in that excuse me that series. There's several scenes in that series that were shot like really long scenes. We're talking like nine, ten minute scenes. And they were all done on in one take. As a matter of fact, there's a there's one um, there's one take in there where they appear as adults and then also as children. So there's like two sets of actors. Yeah, I remember that scene. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. It's one continuous scene. Yeah, and they they if you ever watch the making of it, they broke down how they hid all the kids. You know where they hid them because they were like they had to be almost on camera in order to pull pull all this stuff off. So it's just a it's just the most well done ghost movie I've ever seen. Or the ghost most well done ghost T V show I've ever yeah. seen. I I think so I know it's uh probably not the most popular answer right now, but man, I do really enjoy those conjuring movies, uh, as far as newer stuff. So I'm just I'm just gonna right. go with that straight up the conjuring. But I think the next I guess this is the the next subgenre would well, be haunted con- house. Is it- a haunted house movie. Well, wait a minute. Hold on a minute here. All right. So, The Conjuring isn't always about ghosts, though, is it? Isn't some of it demons? Yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah, let me go ahead and. So, yeah, did you want to maybe that. reconsider? <laughs> I 
I mean, like, what is your best ghost movie? Well, I'm going with um, the scariest just, it, or scenes that really had impact on me. So if 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 I think about it like that, there's the old school, like super old school, House on Haunted Hill, not the one that was remade like in the late 90s, but gotcha. the, the OG okay. one with Vincent Price. Um, And there's like a lot of hokey shit in that movie, right? The whole thing is that the house yeah. isn't really haunted. It's that, you know, it's that it's basically all trickery to get these guests to, to right. leave, you know? But there's a scene in there that is not explained. <laughs> there's one scene in there that's that really scares me so bad, man. It's like to this day, it's so weird to, to watch. It's it's very startling to me. But it's just this witch coming out of a closet. She like rolls across the room, but it looks like she's floating. Oh, God. <laughs> Anytime something floats. Yeah. And uh, it's just so scary. But again, dude, she's a witch. She's not. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> man, maybe I'll throw that in my well, like house it's, category. You know what it is, man? There's there's so many movies that are kind of like I the nun is so well done. Right. But it's a demon. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, just, I don't know if I'm. I'm just throwing a major blank right now. <laughs> That's because you had it done, and I made you redo it. <laughs> ah man. All right. So hard pass on that one. But you go to the next one, which is haunted houses. <laughs> okay. Maybe this is where I said the changeling. Yeah. Yeah. Which is solid. Pick, it was either solid that or pick, ass around. You're the one that told right? me about yeah, the changeling. Just... I didn't know about it before. Yeah, it's a good flick, man. It's really well done. How he like he essentially tries to help the ghost, you know, and the ghost is trying to communicate something to him. That's that's really the the best ghost movies are that, right? Like the the ghost is trying to communicate something to the living. Yeah. What's your favorite haunted house? I think I'm just gonna say House, the movie House, um, not the Japanese one, okay. which is pretty awesome, but uh, the the ones from the '80s, specifically House Two. Which is kind of like a Western yeah. haunted house movie. Uh, it's actually, it's like prehistoric. It's a weird movie, but it's, yeah. They're great. They're over the top, but they are really, really well yeah. done. And the villain in that really was done super well. I need to watch it again to see if it's still as scary as I remember. But uh, the villain is like an outlaw that like, there's one scene where he comes out of the middle of a dining room table. <laughs> okay. I don't know. That that had me so shook as a kid. That's man. terrifying. Yeah, it was. It was a terrifying yeah. scene. But uh, just because I, I watched it so many times that I'm probably going to go with that. I mean, there's a million haunted house movies, but okay. that's the one I'm going to go with just as a, you know, for nostalgia. Okay. And next would be Possession. Yeah, it's tough to beat The Exorcist. It's, it really is. You can't. You know, I mean, it really is because it was just, you know, the first one. And I remember people just freaking out in the movie theater when I was a kid. And I remember my cousins went and saw it. And they were like, you got to go see it. My mother was like, absolutely no, you're not seeing it. And I had to wait probably about 10 to 15 years to actually see it because I forgot about it for a while, right? Because that was the other thing when you grew up, when we were in our day and age, you, you know, because it didn't go right to streaming three months after it was out, right? I mean, and it didn't go to, sometimes videos or movies didn't go to, to a video until you know, sometimes it would be two years before they went to video because yeah. they would be milking the movie all over. They'd be, they'd re-release it. They'd put it in another country. They do all that stuff before they, cause it was all about the, uh, the movie gate, you know, that's how they made mm-hmm. their money. And yeah. Well, when I saw it, it had been out for a long time. Um, but 
I that's one movie that I very specifically remember that I was not allowed to watch at a certain like there was not many movies were blacklisted to us. This is, I mean, we were watching some terrible <laughs> shit at a young age. Um, and my parents know that. It's you know probably I mean? like, And we loved it. But that was one of the ones that we were not allowed to watch. Uh, and I can't remember. Yeah, it was probably the uh, F Me Jesus part and the, uh, the profanity laced tirades from the demon in the bed. Yeah, and I think. You know what's interesting about that movie? All the crazy, like, little things that happened afterwards to all the people that were in the movie. Oh yeah. The same with the uh, polar geist, like all the actors and you know, people that work on set and shit and all the like crazy disasters yeah. that happened to them in real life. Yeah. That was a, that was a big, huge movie at the time. Poltergeist. And I just never got it. There were some really well done scenes in it. Like when all the ghosts are coming down the stairs. Yeah. I would, that was really well done, but I, I just never really liked the Poltergeist movies. I don't know what it was about them. They just didn't catch my fancy. You know what I think it was? I I was always thinking haunted houses, and I was thinking about old dilapidated houses, right? Because that's what you always think about. And, you know, they move into this subdivision in a brand new house. So it was a little bit off-putting. You know, I think that's maybe why I didn't like yeah. them. But, uh, so that's my two cents on Poltergeist. <laughs> Yeah, on, honestly, um, like I know, like my my pops loves Poltergeist. Um, honest, I never got it either. It was never, it was never one of my favorites. Like I definitely watched it, but it didn't really scare me necessarily. And uh, like I never was like, oh, I need to watch Poltergeist tonight, you know? Yeah, well, all the big reveal at the yeah. end. You've moved all the graves. Oh, come on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that it's on a hokey the premise. The Exorcist, though, like I definitely remember like being allowed to watch it for the first time and like it, it yeah. like blowing my mind how sca- much scarier it was than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> yes. But yeah, for possession, I'm picking, uh, I guess maybe not popular horror movie, but it, I'm putting in the possession category would be, uh, a movie called stigmata, which is just a solid yep. movie, man. Great flick. It's a solid possession. Yeah. Their parent, her parents put her in a mental institution cause they think she's nuts. And it turns out she's actually Oh, yeah, yeah, they think it's uh, the effects possessed. of drugs and alcohol, but it's not, you know? And then yep. she ends up being possessed by literally, you know, the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a good movie, man. Yeah, yeah, it's um, really that, good. That movie changed how I think about a lot of things in life, honestly. I think that's why, yeah. Really? Yeah, it really did. Oh, we got to get into this now. How so? Uh, it's it's the, there's a part where, I don't know the, the actor's name, but the guy that played, uh... The guy that played the main character in The Usual Suspects outside of Kevin Spacey, like the main con man. I can't think of his name. Okay. But uh, he's the priest in it, right? And there's a part where he's talking right. about, you know, uh, the church and how, you know, they give like actual, you know, they're actually quoting the Bible when they're talking about this. But they talk about how like the church wasn't supposed to be, you know, a building or a community. It was like, is there's a there's a part no where idea. it says like split a piece of wood and you'll find me and lift any rock and I'll be there. So it's it's like it's more like churches inside of you, not like you go to a church. Right. And that literally like ever since I saw that movie, it's I feel like, oh, right, yeah, I guess I don't have to go to church. Yeah. I mean, churches to me, you know, look, I'm, I was baptized and I was a Catholic, you know, um, to me, that stuff has always been more about community. You know, it's it's about a sense of belonging. It's about a you know support 
supporting others and your community supporting you. And that's organized religion has always been about that to me. I, when I hear people argue <laughs> about, you know, little stupid dogma things in the Catholic religion where they bring up the priests molesting kids and all that stuff, I just roll my fucking eyes. It Look, it's like you're saying, man, you know, somebody said, I believe in God, uh, you know, like a general orderly direction. Right. Like, I don't know who it is. I don't know what it is, but I believe in doing things the right way. I believe in, you know, telling the truth. I believe in helping people. I believe in all that, all those Christian values and Muslim values, to be quite honest, and every other religion you could think of, you know, Buddhism and all that. If you look at the, you know, what those, what those religions, you know, what their ideals are, you know, uh, that's, that's more important than like whether you go to mass on Sunday and put 25 hours in a, in an envelope. But at the same time, people who are all into it, you know, and they're all like, I gotta, I gotta go say the rosary and all that other good stuff. More power to them, man. Because you know, maybe what they're doing is they're just, well, there's definitely, I don't, they're just, they're manifesting. All that stuff is manifesting. I don't want to take away from, we already talked about this all the time for ritual at all. Cause I fully believe in it. You know what I mean? There's, there is ritual is empowering on the basis of being ritual period, you know, but, uh, and also right. just like with church in general, there's, there's community there that you're not going to find anywhere else. Like that's a different kind of community. And, uh, some people need that in their lives, you know, but it's, it's definitely, there's, yeah. there's been increasingly, I'd say in the past few years, it's like, uh, it's, it's almost like, I don't know. It's so people are so anti-Christian now that it really blows my mind. Oh God, yeah. I mean, well, atheists are the most boring fucking people at a party. Christ Almighty, you know they're just like, you know what it is. They can't get over something that happened in their life, and you know they're looking for somebody to blame, and they blame. I, like I honestly think most 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 atheists actually do believe in God, and then there's that whole general part of society now that runs around going, well, I got a degree and I'm smarter than you. And, you know, look at you, you believe in a magic guy in the sky, you know, and all that. They they love reveling in that shit. Right. But there ain't no fucking atheists on a plane that's fucking going down. Right. All of a sudden it's like, Oh God, please help me. You know, it's, it's just ridiculous. The whole thing is ridiculous. What, you know, everything that's ever been written in the Bible, all that other good stuff, how people, practice religion, all that stuff. That's all about the people. <laughs> you know, it's not, we don't know what God is. We don't know who God is. We, you know, God could be fucking group of aliens for all we know. You know, you just don't know who it is, but I, that's why I just always tell people that are teetering on the edge of becoming atheists. I can't I, like, don't believe in God, believe in a general orderly direction, you know, G O D <laughs> do it that way. And that's, that's basically my been my theory the whole time. There's nothing more boring than hearing people just argue oh, about the whether worst. there's a guy, and, you know, than an actual old guy in the sky. We have it's funny. <laughs> this comes out when we're doing movie when we're talking about our movie list for horror movie. But yeah, I right. I agree, man. And it's it's just it it really sucks that it's coming down to I don't know so many. There's karma. I mean, we all know there's yeah, karma, sure. right? We've seen we've seen karma examples of karma in our life constantly. You know, you've seen it. There's always some bully, and he winds up you know, dying in a drunk driving accident when he's 18, right? Or something crazy like that happens and you sit there and go, there's karma. So we know there's karma. We talk all the time about how it's possible to manifest things. There seems to be some science behind manifesting what you want, right? I mean, you just 
put your mind to it. You know, we've been hearing that our whole lives, and we talk about that constantly yeah. on the show. We believe in manifesting. You know, so it's just another form of manifesting. That's all it is. There are no atheist soup kitchens, if you ever noticed. <laughs> Fucking people are so boring. God almighty. It's like, okay, you don't want to believe? That's great. Okay, don't shit on me because I do. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the thing that gets me. It's like, like I feel so bad. Let for... me ask you this, dude. Think about this for a minute, real quick. I don't, I'm not trying to bulldoze you here. But imagine if the our idea of or what we know as God or whatever is some alien race, right? And the, all these atheists are running around shitting on it left and right. They're going to be really surprised when they, you know, meet this other alien race, right? Let's just say that's that's what's going on, right? So I don't know what their point is. I mean, to me, believing in God's like having an insurance policy. Does it matter whether I do or don't when I die? <laughs> right? Like, if you're going to die, you're going to die. We, You know, that date's set in stone. You already know when it is. You don't know when it is, but somebody knows when it is, right? Most likely. So why would I go to my grave denying God's existence just to feel superior intellectually to somebody? I don't know. It's almost, to me, it's... <laughs> like, why wouldn't almost, I just... It's like having an insurance yeah, policy. I mean... I get it. There's there's science, and you know that much I understand. But don't be and and that's the problem. People it, worship. Know? Yeah, that's the thing. It's, that's not well, science. Is not people yeah. have people have started worshiping what they think is science. Okay, but they don't they don't even know what the definition of science is because science is never settled. <laughs> it's never settled. You will always have to be testing new ideas and new hypotheses. There's very little settled science in this world. Right. And we, we learn that constantly, like a hundred years go by and we invent, invent the internal combustion engine and, you know, and maybe a human going 60 miles an hour isn't, you know, ridiculous, a ridiculous idea. Sir Isaac Newton and the apple, that kind of stuff. Science is never settled. And these people run around like there's some encyclopedia of how to live your life somewhat, <laughs> you know, and it's absolutely oh, yeah. ridiculous. Well, it's been you know, being these, rewritten every yeah, fucking day. People, I don't know, dude. There's some that I for sure know that they have almost like a script in their head that they go to if anybody wants to argue with them on any. They have a script in. Well, they, they do that. They yeah, watch those they, videos because they're so fucking insecure. <laughs> I I really do. I honest to God, I think something happened to them when they were young. They've never told anybody about it, or like their mother died of cancer horribly, unfortunately, when they were like little kids or something. Whatever you know, some and they blame it on. It's bizarre that they want to spin that, that, you know, you don't believe in some magical man in the sky, but they're blaming them for that shit. Like when they go, well, God, why is there, uh, there's no God because why is there child cancer? Yeah. I don't know. You know, all that shit. It's just ridiculous. To me, it's 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 just ridiculous. Anybody with that attitude or that mindset about it is is just more. Fucking most boring person at the party. And, you know, they, (laughs) who. They're the most boring person at the party who believe they're the most interesting, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but I'm the smartest. Yeah, nah, no man, one likes me, but I'm totally, the smartest. It's, to me, every time I hear it, dude, I'm like, okay, here's somebody touting ignorance, you know? Like, it, it's it's the same thing as back in the, you know, when we were growing up, it was we were the only species in the universe. And now all physicists are changing their minds on that, you know? Now it's right. It's very exactly. likely there's life in our solar system. And what do we do on a daily basis, right? We manage risk. Yeah. Our whole lives are a risk management exercise, right? Like 
okay, am I going to go out and play on the highway today? No, probably not. You know, am I going to go to work? Yeah, I'm going to go to work and I'm going to try to do the best job I possibly can and stay safe and not do anything dangerous, right? Like you're always mitigating risk. So I don't understand how this God denial mitigates risk, <laughs> right? Like it's just like I said, like having an insurance policy. You don't have to believe in Catholic dogma. I mean, if you've, if, if you've ever went to Catholic school. Which I did. <laughs> and you push a pre priest up up against the wall hard enough, they'll tell you, well, no, they're, they're, we're not the only religion going to heaven. No, if you live your life the right way and you live kind and, you know, you follow the Ten Commandments or whatever, you, you're going to wind up going to what they call heaven, right? And they, they don't deny other religions. There's other religions that do. Oh, yeah. Sure. That say you can't go be a Catholic and you can't go be, you can't go be a Buddhist and you can't go do this, but... You know, it's just so stupid. And it just to, just to just... blame, like, a lot of, you know, not blame, but a lot of people automatically shoot to the absolute worst thing they can, which is, like, problems with, you know, problems with priests and sexual misconduct and abuse. Or, uh, or they go to the other end, which is, you know, all the issues that how many people has, has the, uh, how many people were murdered over the over the years centuries ago. yeah yeah i don't know but that's with literally everything <laughs> that's evil that's people with evil in their hearts yeah. right you're born with free will there's yeah, nothing don't god can really exactly. do about that and as far as the gay priest thing you know molesting boys and stuff like that you know that's once again that's catholic dogma right priests are not allowed to get married if they were allowed to get married to men or women their partner of their choice we wouldn't have that situation so that's it's not god's fault that's that's some somebody you know the pope's fault you know whoever who said yeah. you know that no priests can't be married you can't have any female priests it's ridiculous but it's all it's all parameters that have been set by humans yeah. and again i i don't have an issue with anybody that goes to mass i just don't anymore and honestly i owe a lot of that thinking like my my current thought process which i've held for a long time because I am, but I just don't believe in having to go to church. And a lot of that has to do with this movie, Stigmata, honestly. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to say, there's nothing better than going to Mass on Christmas. Well, that Eve. is one thing. Dude. It just that gives is, you an overall is, good feeling. And that's, I, I hate to be that guy, but like, it just goes at Christmas <laughs> or Easter. Right. But like, that's, that's when I'm going to be there because it is a thing. It's a whole. It just gives you an overall good does. feeling. It does. Like she's a, she's a Protestant and we talked about maybe getting married, you know, like having like a, she wanted to have a ceremony and all that good stuff. And eventually we just decided not to, right. For a lot of different reasons, mostly because I didn't want to spend the money, but <laughs> you know, for a while she was like, well, can you talk to your priest and we can get married in your church? And I'm like, my priest, <laughs> who are you talking about? I don't have a priest. What do you think? I got him here in my back pocket. He's on fucking speed dial. I don't have a priest, right? So she was all about the Protestant, Protestant, you know, practicing Protestant. And um, as people know, Protestants very much more liberal than, well, then maybe they don't know, but it's much more liberal being a Protestant than it is, you know, to be a Roman Catholic. So we were going to go do that. And I had many a discussion with the, the minister, um, who was a great guy. And, you know, I had to read a bunch of books in order to become a Protestant, but it wasn't a lot of stuff. It was just a little bit of stuff. And then I, you know, would have got 
jumped in <laughs> as a Protestant, but I, yeah. I just never went and did it. We just decided not to go, and I still have that poor guy's books because he lent them to me. He's like, oh, I'm going to read this. But we had a lot of good positive discussions, and he pretty much admitted to me that, yeah, it's just about you know living your life in a good way. I mean, and, and over and how the do, years, too. What movie were we? We were talking about Stigmata. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, damn, but this turned into a whole other show. <laughs> you want to just get back to that list? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I will say too, man. No, no, I'm not even gonna get into it. No, go ahead. Just, your uh, just being in the military over the years, like, and dealing with chaplains, like, I mean, they're not just. It's not just for people that are religious. Like, you can go to the chaplain for anything, honestly. And those guys have been all pretty good. I've had pretty good chaplains. Mine. Yeah, a lot there. of them have. Yeah, a lot of them are also therapists. Yeah, yeah. you know, they have that training. But uh. It's, just something What's else to that, solidified. Man? Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't. To me, in my opinion, not there's anything wrong with church, but I don't think that church is necessary if you want to. If you want to be, that's no, more about you know, yeah. If you want to be Christian, you know. And again, it's literally from that movie. And I I researched those those verses, man, from that movie like several times over in my life. Yeah, and it turned you yeah. onto it. That's good. That's good. You got you know you you got a little bit of direction from art, you know. But I, I just. Not to beat a dead horse, but to me, there's a lot of people who need a lot more social interaction than yeah. I do. No, I agree. I, I agree. Mean, like, I have my handful of friends, and I have my dog, and you know, I have my wife, and I'm blessed to have all that good stuff. But I don't need like to go have like a pancake breakfast on Sunday morning. But there are a lot of people yeah, who do, I know. and that's how they keep. It helps them stay sane to have that sense of community. You know, at the same time, if my neighbor from a mile down knocked on my door and said, hey, you know, I really need someone to take me to the hospital, I'd be there in a minute for him. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, but a lot of people need that sense of community. Yeah. And there's, let's be honest, there's a lot of people who just want to gossip. So that, to me, that's what that organized religion thing is, which is why well, I don't like yeah, it. And then what I always that- saw was there was always a bunch of people there that were gossiping. And it was just, it was all those human flaws that I just can't stand. Like, like you know, worrying about what somebody wears and how they talk oh, yeah, and all that other good shit. shit. It's just so fucking yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, I used to laugh because when I was a Roman Catholic, um, you know, I never forget how dressed up these horrible, I knew there were horrible people in the neighborhood. You know, you knew who the assholes were growing up in the city. You know, it was hard for them to hide. You know, whose kids were terrible you know, all that good stuff. But they were always the nicest ones dressed at church. They had the best suits on, all that good stuff. And, you know, outside of Sunday, they were absolute pieces yeah. of shit. So. Well, you know, I'm with you know, the. You get that. You're going to get that. But then again, that's humans. I went to Holy Spirit, man. <laughs> <It's> when just... <laughs> On broad. So, dude, these kids that I went to school with, like, dude, their parents were, like, straight up, like, 100% mafia. <laughs> You right. know what I mean? Right. But like also sure. probably the best looking people in those pews on Sunday, you know? Exactly. And the nicest suits, the pinky rings on, the great necklaces, the diamond earrings. Yep. Uh, it's all the trappings of I, humanity. I think about it too, man. Like, fuck, we need to get back to this list eventually. But like, you know that, <laughs> that show Midnight Mass or whatever? We both watched that. It was awesome. Um, yeah. If, if I was in a town like that, I probably would go to church. And only because... If I didn't, then people would think there was like I was a witch or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I can no, understand how in some yeah, of these maybe it? smaller rural communities where like uh, that's the only time the town like meets. this one, yeah, 
Like, yeah, you might have yeah, to go, like man. They're going to think you're a fucking in. warlock. We've already gotten, we've already gotten, like, you know, oh, you guys, what, what church are you going to join and stuff like that? We've already got it because there's a bunch of, there's a couple different Baptist churches up here. Um, there's a Catholic church, but it's in Sheboygan. Yeah, but there's a lot of that stuff. What there's not a lot of up here is there's not like that new Christian type. No. Modern churches. There's no mega churches up here, as far as I can tell. And that that shit was getting wild in Jersey. They were everywhere in Jersey. All right, I'm going to get to Devil's Demons in Hell, which is the next subcategory. Golly. (laughs) All right. Um, Anything coming to mind for you? Uh, I know I had a good answer. Um and I can't recall right now. Do you have so yours? So here they have the Omen, uh, Devil, which I think that's that Elevator movie, Shyamalan one, Shyamalan, whatever, and uh, right to the Devil a Daughter. But for me, I think I, when we did this initially, I said Hellraiser just because of how scary it was to me. Like that portrayal of hell, I guess. Right. Which is so different than like what you grow up hearing about the church, you know? But uh, I right. think, honestly, man... The prophecy with the uh, Christopher Walken, like that, I think that's a very good demon and slash hell movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, part two, <laughs> solid movie. Yes, um, and that's where I'm going with it as of right now. Okay, I'm going Devil's Candy. Oh yeah, which yeah. Which I told you about before. It's like a there's this kid. He's a redneck artist, and um, he starts giving some shine to the devil, and his art gets a whole lot better. Um, it's just a really good movie. It, it it explains how like you know little subtle things can start worming their way into your life and becoming a problem. So it's very much a, a little bit of a life lesson in it. But yeah, it's called The Devil's Candy. I think it was came out sometime in the last maybe ten years. Gotcha. And next would be Witches and the Occult. So I said they have listed here the Craft and the Witch, which are the newer which was basically two V's, I guess, instead of a W. Right. Um, yeah, that was pretty weird. That was, a, I, I mean, I liked it, but uh, I said The Lords of Salem, which was the Rob Zombie movie. Uh, that was a solid witch movie. If if you want to watch something that's you know a little bit different, The Lords of Salem was a, a really good witch movie. Yeah, yeah, I definitely want to catch catch that. All Rob Zombie yeah. stuff is really if, good. So have you not, have you not seen Lords of Salem? No, I've never seen it. I've Fucking always seen it, it advertised and really it, to... watch it tomorrow, dude. Or tonight, if you got time. I mean, actually, it's pretty late there, huh? But yeah, watch that yeah. movie, dude. That's a good one. That'll definitely put you in the in the Halloween spirit for sure. I have a movie in mind, and I cannot remember the name of it. Imagine that. And it's a witch movie. Now, when you said a cult is is when I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking here real quick to see if I can find it. A dark song. Um, it was in 2016 it came out. It's an Irish-British movie. But essentially this woman um, is trying to perform a ritual called the Abba Marlin. Um, it is a occult ritual where you uh, do a grueling physical test and you have to say these prayers and you have to recite all this stuff. And you basically do this until you actually get to meet your guardian angel. And... Uh, there's a lot of like solid occultist history behind the movie. Um, there really is a ritual called the Abba Marlin. Um, she's doing a lot of what is described. Yeah, in I it. think we talked about that and, when we were um, doing our uh, when we were doing our mirror ritual. I think that's when we talked about that. Movie. Okay, yeah, it's it's fantastic, and the 
the guy in it is Steve O'Ram. He's a great actor. And he's all, he's like this famous occultist, but he's all damaged. He's an alcoholic. He's got the DTs, the whole nine yards. And he's the guy that's trying to get her to do this. And through the whole film, he's asking her why she wants to see her guardian angel. Because supposedly if you see your guardian angel, you can ask for one wish and he has to grant it to you. Oh, damn. And uh, she never tells him to the end. And then she finally tells him. And like the Abba Marlin is crazy. It's like an 18 month ritual. Uh, she she sells everything she owns. Um, she's got this little wad of money from her, like, you know, retirement fund and her house and all that stuff. And she just goes to this remote house in Wales and invites this guy she doesn't even know to come help her do this ritual. And um, the ending is fantastic. And it costs $50,000 to make. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, and it was done in 2016. I actually owned the movie. It's just a great yeah, I movie. Don't, I never saw it. So I'm that would be my favorite occult movie. Oh, you will love it. It's right yeah. up your alley. You know what? Because they do the Abba Marlin wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and there's a there's a part where they do it wrong. And if you do the Abba Marlin wrong, you open up hell. Oh, damn. So there's all these hellish creatures um, that appear. And just, you talk creepy scenes. Just super uber creepy, man. It's just one of the scariest movies I've ever seen as well. Yeah. Uh, you know what else got me, uh, which was not, not scary, like the scenes weren't scary, but just, uh, how much it made me think was, uh, The Ninth Gate. I don't know if you ever saw that one, but it had Johnny Depp in it. Yep. Yeah. yeah with the book. Yeah. Yep. That was, I don't know, just something about what you just said reminded me of that movie, which I thought was pretty good. And there was a movie you mentioned last time that, uh, we went through the list the same way, but we didn't get to this and I thought it was a really good movie, um. Again, I don't know where we had it listed, but uh, you mentioned the Hallow, and that was that was actually an awesome movie. Yeah, you, that was I, in the vampire. You talked about the Hallow. Yeah, there was a vampire movie. It's an Irish vampire movie. Um, this couple on a back road, um, their car starts acting up. They wind up out in front of a farm. They're in the rural area of Ireland, and they just happen to come upon this farm right after a farmer dug up a vampire corpse. And the vampire is walking the grounds, and they encounter the farmer, and he seems a little off. You know, like he does, he's not able to answer their questions, and they can't figure out what's happening to him, and he's turning. It's basically what's yeah. happening. Uh, I don't know why, um, but I just, because I, I want to get movie ideas out to our audience that maybe they haven't seen before. And that one, everybody right. I talk to, nobody's seen that movie except you. <laughs> I think maybe my pops has seen yeah, it, but it, that was a solid movie, man. Yeah, it's a... um. It's an IFC film, um, so I'm looking up, looking it up now. It'll come right. And up. our uh, last three subgenres are uh, the next would be found footage, which we've already slightly touched on a few of those. But uh, I think we were both in the greens last time too with the the Blair Witch, just the the first one. Really, they did a great job with. Yeah, you can't, yeah, can't you really beat can't. it. So, but uh, I mean, it, it, I saw it in the movie theater, um, and. You know, the experience in the movie theater is just... Same. And back... A lot of people don't realize this shit, but when you when you saw that movie in the theater, uh, it was several months after it was released that people found out that it was actually, you know, a fictional movie. People thought that was real for months. Yeah, that was the whole experience <laughs> yeah. of it, right? Like, for months, people thought that that stuff was actually a real family Yeah, I remember movie. back when, uh, you know, when it had, like, uh, MTV's Movie Awards was pretty popular as, uh, you know, one of the movie award shows uh 
that that's finally the uh, the actors came out during the MTV Movie Awards, and everybody knew it was you know fiction at that point. But nobody knew. <laughs> everybody again, right. it was the whole movie was advertised up to being you know a, a true story, and you know even uh, even people that said you saw the movie like you were somehow going to be haunted because you just saw the footage, you know, kind of like, I guess, yeah, kind of like the ring or kind of, it was, it was, but, uh, the movie was a phenomenon. It was a phenomenon. It wasn't just a movie. Yeah. It was, it was not just the found footage movie. It was like, it was pretty unreal. And that's, that's something, uh, I, I, that can't be recreated. It was almost like, and the wave of hell yeah. it unleashed. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, since then, <laughs> because that, like we said earlier, it's just a genre that's not getting yeah, any it's better. really not. It's, it's really going downhill. But the, yeah, the movie I was talking about, the vampire movie. Before I forget, it was it was called From the Dark, and it was done in 2014. Um, and it was from IFC Midnight did it. So if anybody wants to check it out, it's well, from I definitely the dark. do. But uh, yeah, the last two are uh, just under the miscellaneous genre, but subgenres for comedy and parody. So for comedy, I'm saying Young Frankenstein is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. <laughs> We were all over Scary Movie yeah. for a while, um, which is great. It's really great. But, yeah, um, Young Frankenstein is the best. We'll never yeah. be beaten. I don't think it'll be, ever be beaten. There's just so many great moments in it. You know, I I, I saw a little bit of Renfield, um, and it's got promise. I, I saw about 15 minutes really, of it the before Nick Cage I one, right? fell asleep. Yeah. I saw about the first 15 minutes before I fell asleep, and it's it's a very interesting movie. And the funny part of it was there's a fourth wall break in the beginning of the movie where Renfield is explaining his powers and how he gets his powers because that was always what everybody was like, well, Dracula is a vampire. Why does Renfield have powers? So he kind of explains it, and then he goes, yeah, and I get the powers by eating <laughs> bugs, right? Yeah. Because that's what it, that's how they explained it away at the beginning. And he sort of kind of looks at the camera and goes, don't ask. (laughs) (laughs) So it's funny because it's a definite plot hole, right? How Renfield has all these powers, but yeah, it's, it's promising. It's been on my Um, radar, man. I'll definitely end up checking it probably this season, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's I'm, I'm definitely going to enjoy watching the rest of it. It's not a movie I can watch with Tracy. So I just haven't seen the rest of it. And we said, and we said scary movie for the parodies. Is there any other, just like deep cut horror movies you want to shout out or like, like ones that, you know, you love that you, you know, I feel like nobody else has seen. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have like, when I really, really love a movie, I buy it. So I own the witch. Um, I own, um, a dark song. I own the body of Jane Doe. You know, those are the movies that I own. So, you know, there have been other ones over the years that I've watched. I probably can't remember them tonight. Um, but you know, I would say, yeah, I would say that that pretty much would be my list. I mean, definitely check out a dark song, check out the vigil, you know, check out session nine, give dead birds a try. Um, for a while, that was the second scariest movie ever made. Um, and it's really good cause it combines history and cryptids and ghosts and everything and, uh, bank robbery <laughs> <laughs> everything all at once and actually the dude that's in it is uh the kid from the oh, wonder the years kid. he's yeah he's the he's one of the actors in it he's actually the the leader of there are, there are a bunch of um and this literally happened as you know because you're a student of history there were a lot of soldiers that fought for the south 
that once the war was disbanded were out unemployed and they were good at fighting and they were good at tactical stuff. So they started robbing banks and that's what this group is. And then they, they're running from the law and they come up on an old plantation house and decide because there's a big hurricane coming to stay in the plantation house for a few days and all hell breaks loose because the plantation house is not a normal plantation <laughs> house. <laughs> so yeah, that would be, um, Dead Birds is good. It's got a couple good jump scares in it. Scary creatures. Awesome. Um, yeah. I would I'm going to say for no particular reason, there's one that sticks out to me that was just one of my go-to ones as a kid. And it's called a uh, torch trap. It's so cheesy, man. It is real cheesy, but uh, that's <laughs> sometimes yeah, they're the best. It's kind of a spaghetti horror, but uh, not real serious. Like Suspiria. This one is kind of just makes fun of itself, but, uh, it's it's like I the best way I can describe it is it's a psychic a psychic with a super creepy mask that manipulates mannequins. <laughs> it it is so bad, but okay, man, I love that movie. I I feel like it's it's I will my definitely. like it's my ideal horror movie, and it's probably from like the late seventies. But it, it's called Tourist Trap. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. I'm definitely gonna watch that. So the other night you texted me a couple. And I'm reading the text right here. It says Velocipastor and Roctopus. Oh, yeah. Pussy. Terrible and awesome. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I, so how long did you waste watching oh, these two you know, movies? It's a solid four hours I ain't getting back. And I wouldn't have it any other way, man. Like, I just, my pop started me on B-movies at a young uh, age. So, like, it's, this is like my bread and butter. Like, I'm surprised there wasn't. Did you ever a, see? You know, that wasn't listed in our genres, but. Some of my favorite movies are B movies. Yeah. Did you ever see uh, Attack of the Killer oh, Tomatoes? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing about that is the song. It's the Attack <laughs> of the Killer Tomatoes. Yeah. And, well, like I actually that's I tough. remember very Who has the money and the time to do that, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And a giant rolling tomato running Yeah, I had over. uh I had these faces that you could plug into a actual tomatoes. Like kind of like Mr. Potato Head, but okay. it was the killer tomatoes. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's just like once it wasn't just like eyes and a nose and a mouth. It was they weren't separate pieces. It was just like the killer tomato face, but you just plugged it into an actual right. tomato, and then boom, you, you had a killer tomato. And uh, yeah, and you had to use tomatoes because you didn't have any potatoes. And like, you yeah, were in Jersey. It was easier to buy tomatoes exactly. were cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, we always had tomatoes growing up, and uh, I, I very specifically remember having a killer tomatoes t-shirt that was light blue that i used to wear as a kid all the time <laughs> but yeah I, I love those b movies man they're they're the best like especially the old ones but uh even the newer shit if it, if it looks really stupid i will watch it yeah i've seen so many really bad ones um that i can't really pick a favorite but do you have a favorite bad horror movie uh, that you've yeah, ever watched i don't know if if you would consider this well i mean there's werewolves in it so, yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, it's it's FDR, American Badass. <laughs> um, it's, oh my God, it's so bad. This It's one of my favorite movies, man. But uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt, you know, he gets polio because he got bit by a werewolf. And the whole, the whole movie's on the premise that, you know, werewolves are actually, you know, responsible for World War II. So it's like you got to, right. you know, you got to that whole axis of evil. Um, 
they're actually werewolves and it's up to FDR and like MacArthur to like stop them. And it, MacArthur's, I don't know who plays FDR, man, but that guy's an awesome actor. The guy that plays MacArthur is uh, <laughs> the dad from Twin Peaks. <laughs> uh, okay. It's yeah. a lot of people you would recognize. Um, I think Kevin Serbo's in it for a little bit. Okay. And it's, it's, yeah. So it's a it's a movie that you love. No, to I hate. actually just love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I would go on that one. I would go. Um, the man who killed Bigfoot, Hitler. Oh, dude, that was actually that awesome. That, movie that was, was just a good movie in general. But it's yeah. just funny, right? It's just so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my love. Yeah, to hate there's. Movie. I, it's a uh, man. There's so many Bigfoot. Bigfoot, Bigfoot with rabies. Like, I would Bigfoot movies. You know, eighty percent of them are BBs. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there are movies that are coming out of smoking some really good herb, right? Like, who was sitting there and went, yo, man, Bigfoot lives in the woods. How come he doesn't have rabies? <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely a, a, a smoked-up uh, yeah. idea. Well, now I think about it, yeah, it's basically what uh, <laughs> the man that killed Bigfoot and Hitler. Because that thing, that thing had, like, that wasting disease, didn't it? That's the whole reason he was after him. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, that see the CWD. Yeah, someone was definitely yeah. cheating it when rabies. they came up with yeah, that I can't idea. Remember. I guarantee that. <laughs> but yeah, I love I love B movies, man. We could probably do a whole different show on that. But yeah, we'll do that yeah, next year. Yeah, uh, let us know what your guys' favorite deep cut horror movies are, regardless of genre. Because um, just the same way we're yeah, trying to get us. you guys, you know, maybe some movies to add to your October playlist. Uh, maybe you guys can add some to ours, like something. Yep, Wicked Garden Podcast yeah, at gmail.com. And your Twitter at Moblin is what M O B L I N at Moblin because you're the I am no longer on social media. I moved to the woods, so I've disappeared off social media completely. <laughs> they don't have social media up here, but yeah, let us know, man. Let us know what you guys are watching. Turn us on to something. We got a few more days here. We'll uh, jam yeah. them all in. I don't know about you, but I watch I watch horror movies till oh, I watch November. them all year, but <laughs> probably till Thanksgiving. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. Good shit, man.